welcome to episode 109 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our third batch of games from issue 44 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were bored on the Battle Island, blown by Bubble Ghost, and puked our ring up at Peter Beardsley's International Football. This week, we conclude our look at the games in December 1988, along with what was also lighting up our cinema screens that month. Graham, if we're not too full, tell us what final delights 1988 has to offer up. In this dodgy old leftover box of cheap party poppers turned unpredictably loud stun grenades of an episode, we zoom around a shop-filled landscape crashing into things in our tiny car, not in first or second, but fifth gear. We stage a bet that we can hoy around the world and balance Japanese acrobats in the gamble fueled around the world in 80 days and jump around a dystopian world knocking people out with our pungent toe jam in Joe Blade 2. Is it just me that thinks a fortune-telling transparent plastic fish shape is a weird thing to put in a Christmas cracker? Who knows? After all that, we slap on some self-tan, bleach our hair pure white and run around in tight quarters juggling hand axes in the somewhat mixed-up Savage! Explore the run or jump, not both, Playmobil-looking logic of the oddly named Super Dragon Slayer, fidget, twitch, shuffle, stagger and roll, but not run, through the crappy races of NATO Assault Course, before finally popping on our stripy skate jumper and scooting down an endless grey tunnel of doom in the budget-friendly Cheapskate. Finally, 1988 comes to a close. 300-plus games have been played. Many of those were about as much fun as a dry-heaving dog on a new cream-coloured carpet. Yikes. I am quite full. I, I'm too full for that lot. I, I, I take that lot away. <laughs> <laughs> I can't squeeze any more of that in. <laughs> Ten schnitzel grooves is my limit. You're not kidding. We schnitz and groove it out. That's it. <laughs> yeah, this. Uh, uh, we thought we may end on a high. You know, the, the like a like a ski jump. Unfortunately, yeah, we but we ended up getting kicked in the schwanstucker. <laughs> yeah, we certainly have. Not to give anything away with the games we've got lined up tonight, today. Like this this classic this compilation. It's, well, it's worthy of a now compilation. <laughs> it's worthy of something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is it. This is the last lot of games for 1988. It is the last lot. If you've enjoyed it, I'm going to put it right up here at the front so you can hear it. Um, you can, you know, if you want to get in on the action, uh, then you can do because we're recording uh, best. No, what is it? The Breadbin Awards very soon. Breadbin Awards. Yeah. Although we probably actually by the time you hear this, it'll be too late. Sorry, um, we'll have already recorded it. But anyway, yeah, if you still want it. to come and get in on next year's action, you can do, and you can do that if you join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past, where you get the episodes early and all that kind of stuff. You get them without adverts. You get to join in our Discord and ask questions for us, the podcasts and all those kind of things. Fun so, stuff. Yeah. So there's lots of fun stuff. Obviously, or you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash zapped to the past and buy us a coffee if you want, um, yes. which uh, one kind person did this week. Quite yeah, nice, I, like, I, I like a good Kofi. Yeah, absolutely. So very, thank you very much for that. Um, I should have checked your name out. I'll check your name out and I'll say it at the back at the end of the episode because I've completely forgotten. It's been a busy week. We're into, uh, I'm into marking at work, so you know I've been looking at looking at stuff going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I've had to play these yeah. games. So it is yeah. what it is. It is what it is. How's your week been? It's been all right. Incredibly busy, actually. Crazy busy with stuff all over the. Lots of moving parts. Lots of crazy stuff. Just busy, yeah, busy. It's a busy time of year for everybody, I think. So, um, yeah, yeah. There's that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There is that. 
Uh, right, I'm going to try and find out who bought us one. Someone did. Oh, don't, who I'll bought us the coffee? Come on, find out immediately. I know. Uh, Come on, Flynn. <laughs> this is terrible, isn't it? I should have looked. Come Maybe we shouldn't have even mentioned Stop it. Stop, you know, Flynn. It was nice to get something, wasn't it? Uh, it if was, his name's Flynn, I should be very happy. It wasn't Ed. Uh, it wasn't. It was Ed. Ed bought Ed, us a well, co- coffee. Thank you, Ed. He said he said he found the Shaking Stevens bit um, in our previous episode with Gary very funny. So, Well, Louis, so thanks, I like Ed. to think that you know we rib Shaking Stevens quite a lot, but he has contributed <laughs> a great deal to something or other. <laughs> He's, yeah, to, to jumpers. Size of that jumper was mammoth. <laughs> that jumper was massive. It's far too so big. big. It's so big. Far too big. So uh, the yeah. ever expanding jumpers of Shaking Stevens. <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm sure that's a sequel to something. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's probably tried to make it into a C sixty four game. It's a Harry Potter novel that never made it. I think. Yeah, probably. Harry <laughs> Harry Potter and the ever expanding jumper. It's have the same <laughs> ring. And Harry Potter as Shaking Stevens as Harry Potter is a gross and terrifying thing. Yeah. <laughs> Experience the worst Voldemort ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, enough of that. Thank you, Ed. That's good. Uh, shall we get on to some games? Yes. We've got seven more. We've got cinema. It's the last lot of the uh, you know 1988, nineteen eighty nine. Sorry, cannot come soon enough. But let's no, get into the first lot me. of games. And our first one um, is a budget title. It is Fifth Gear. Fifth Gear. It's got 78%. Mm. It is from the Fantastic Four, supposedly. And uh, this is Fifth Gear. It's another budget release from Houston's Racket label. Racket. Racket. Exciting. Exciting stuff. Who are the Fantastic Four? I hear you ask. It's not Johnny Flame, Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> um, Sue Reed Richards. Sue uh, Reed Richards, Sue Richards, and Ben Grimm. That's it's it. not them. What's his name? No, what's his name? Johnny Flame? It's not Johnny Flame, is it? His What's name's his Johnny is Flame. He, it can't be. That's too much of a coincidence. I mean, it that's was, uh, was it Benjamin Johnny Fuego. We <laughs> <laughs> changed it to Johnny Flame because yeah. it sounded better. <laughs> Fuego on. Just don't work. <laughs> that's, well, that's what he must say in Spain or in you know Mexico or whatever. I guess yeah. Explosiones. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's not them lot. Um, here it's Jerome Jerome Lighton. Latent, I don't know how to pronounce that, on code. And graphics, uh, and he was helped on graphics by Marco Schippers. Music by Theo and Rainier Hongens. And the title screen was by Stephen Robertson. That's sir to you and I. It is. By the way, his name was uh, Jonathan Storm or Johnny Flame, but his, his character name is actually the Human Torch. So he's, there you go, just so you know. Just so so we're clear. Called Johnny Flame. Yes. He's, well, Johnny, he's Jonathan Johnny Storm is so, actually is his name. So his name's John Storm. Okay. John but Storm. he shouts, you know, when he shouts uh, flame on, he turns into the human torch, not he Johnny does. Flame. I don't know where Johnny Flame came from. No, that's what I mean. Flame's not a common uh, surname. Yeah. No. Reed Richards and Sue Richards and everything. That's normal. Well, his um, parents were Franklin and Mary Storm. So where um, did the flame come from? That, I don't know where you've got that from because <laughs> he says flame on, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but sure. Oh, I don't know. Johnny Flame. Don't Johnny, know. Johnny Storm. I don't remember Johnny Storm. Well, he's got an alter ego of Jonathan Lol Spencer as well. <laughs> I'd just move on if I were you. I'm, we're lost in Marvel territory, and these are dangerous and choppy waters at best for anybody. Absolutely. We don't, we don't need to go down Someone's that Someone's going to start shouting, I'm not on cannon or something, and I'm going to have to run away screaming. So, True. Um, anyway, back to fifth gear. In fifth gear, you are participating in an illegal car race in which you are allowed every possible method to win. In order to do this, you must drive along the track until you see the rather small sign that says, turn here. 
that sign is very small. If you ever got there, it's very tiny. But it's really it's, tiny. It's held by a mouse. Turn here. <laughs> turn around. Over there. Turn around. <laughs> turn around. Dead end. It's a cul-de-sac. <laughs> At which point you must about face, turn around, and drive back the way you came to reach the start line, which is now the finish line, I guess. Because it actually says start and finish on either side. In the yes. time provided to you. That's what you must do in this game. You must do this for all three tracks. To be crowned the champion of the world. Well, awesome. you're going to be a champion of something. Or something. Well, I don't know if it is champion of the world. It doesn't say. It, I'm, well, I'm it's just not assuming. king of the mountain, which is that other game, wasn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, king of the mountain. <laughs> Absolutely. Champion of the world. You're going to be the uh, Duke of the Caves. That's what you're going to be. <laughs> I don't know. Something or other. Or at least champion of the three tracks. Whatever you're going to be. Uh, when the game first boots up, first impressions are quite positive. There's a real sense of demo code in this title screen with many sprites for letters scrolling upwards. There's some nice multiplexing going on. Unless there were characters, I couldn't tell. They look like sprites to me. I'm, I'm guessing they're sprites. They look sprites. That looks like a sprite, some kind of multiplex. sprite multiplex so there's loads effect. of them. There's tons of it going on. Oh, they're there's, everywhere. There's, there's so many sprites on screen, it's crazy. Anyway, it looks cool, though. And it is accompanied by a decent tune as well. And some nice Rastabar high-score title effects as well. It all looks good. And I'm guessing there is probably some demo heritage in this team. But upon looking for them, I could only find one demo from them. That's on CSDB. Maybe they did more. I only could find one of the Fantastic Four. And then it was just something which would just put a load of uh, Ben Dagley's tunes together on something. Oh, okay, so, um, weird. Yeah, that's all I could find from the Fantastic Four. Maybe they did other stuff. I don't know. There is definitely some demo code there going on. Um, but this is their second game, according to Lemon 64. Their first being uh, Breaker, which was a breakout clone released in 1987, which uh, obviously Zap never picked up because it passed us by. So maybe one to revisit at some point. Anyway. Once you've done admiring the title screen, you can press fire to get into the game, and it's almost immediately apparent where the main issue with this game lies. But we'll come to where that in that a bit. Where would that be? <laughs> okay, okay. We'll come, to that, we'll come to that in a bit. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the surprise. Save but, that know, guy for later. <laughs> yeah, as my mum always said, don't don't show it all up front. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stopping that conversation there. That's it. End of line. <laughs> Uh, the screen is split, almost 50-50, with the top half being the game window, which shows the top-down view of your car and the start and finish line. The bottom half has all the UI. This includes a fuel bar, uh, a damage bar, the number of lives left, your present weapon, the time left until the stage is over, your score, and the amount of money you have left. Controls are simple enough, with up to accelerate, left and right to steer, down for brake and reverse, fire button to fire which weapon you have selected, and space bar to switch between your weapons if you get other ones to use. The track is made up of various obstacles and hazards, some of which you can play through, like bushes and trees, uh, but you take damage from them. So you can play through them, but you take damage from them, and if your damage meter hits zero, you lose one of your five lives. Or there's more damaging perils which kill you instantly, such as walls, other traffic, trains and rivers. Okay, you hit any of them, you lose immediately lose one of your five lives. There are also slopes and ramps from which you can jump over obstacles if you have enough speed when you go up, when you, you know, when you plow up them, and you do a big jump. That's quite cool. Along the way, there are garages which you can stop at. And I think this is done quite well, actually. You just park up in the tire tracks outside, press the fire button, and this opens up like a small sub window. There's a nice tune playing. And depending on which one you stopped at, you can re refuel or repair your car. You can even buy upgrades. Weapon shops sell missiles, missile launches, and auto fire. Whilst at the extra shop, you can buy a turbo boost, helium tires, which allow you to jump further and obviously if you breathe them in, give you a funny high-pitched voice. Watertight chassis, which allows you to drive through water. Very handy. And propulsive side motor, which allows you to steer whilst jumping. Uh, you know, some of these are quite interesting. I like these power-ups. They're all right. You start the game with $10,000 and extra money and points can be obtained by destroying other cars and various obstacles along the way. The graphics uh, are in our favorite res. They are medium. 
Yeah. Um, but but the direct angle of looking down, so it's it's vertical. You're looking straight down. It's quite well done with some nice shading on the various objects. It reminded me of that. You know, it's BMX simulator territory, really, isn't it? It's that kind yeah, of it is. shady sort of looking down territory. And it's use of colours and shadings, lots of brown and blacks and sort of lighter browns and that kind there of. There always is. Well, yeah. I mean, you you dirt you dirt racing, so I can I can forgive it. I can forgive it. But there's plenty of other colours. You know, green for the trees and stuff. So it's all right. For two ninety nine, there's a decent amount of game here, and there are some nice touches along the way with the shops and so on. And the presentation throughout is, you know, pretty excellent. It's really good. So what's the issue that I mentioned earlier? Well, it's where you're placed on the screen, and that's the big issue here. The game window takes up the top half, and your position is just about halfway in this window. So you've only got about a quarter of the screen above you to show you what is coming. And that leads to the main issue here in that you simply do not have enough view to see what is coming up. And this what could have been a decent game of steering through the world and careening around the course because, you know, um, the, the left and right and going fast, it, it feels it's responsive and everything like that. It's just it becomes a stop-start trudge because you dare not go too fast because you don't have enough time to react when a wall suddenly appears in front of you. So you just careen into it. And that's the problem yeah. with this. You, it's a game yeah. which wants you to go fast and, you know, to create, you know, it's, you know, you should be throwing this little, little uh, car around, but you can't because you can't see what's coming up fast enough. And that's a real problem. This leads to you having to rope learn the course bit by bit. And that soon becomes really boring and not much fun at all. Those are the bits where you get kind of got to slow down and go back over bridges and round and down and up and down. You know, but because of the nature of the way this is displayed, it just becomes there's not enough screen real estate to display what we want to see. This is a real shame, as there are some very nice elements to this. The controls, like I said, are decent. The visuals are good as well. The music's nice. The little interstitial bits, the garages, all that kind of stuff. For a budget game, it's another well-presented title, and there's a lot here. It's just the inability to see the track robs the game of all its appeal. At least that's what I found. They pulled the car down to the bottom of the window, or even put, you know, put just pulled the window. We don't need all that UI at the bottom. There's too much UI. Bigger screen. Put the car near the bottom. The bottom is where you want to see stuff. Okay. I understand they've put it in the middle because obviously you can scroll up and down. They want to show both ways. Well, in which case, then give us more window. Um, but I'd rather be slowly going downwards than having to slowly go up both ways. That don't work. It would have improved things no end. I, like I said, I like the upgrades. I like having to speed up the jumps and jumps over some of the waters and stuff and the handling. I, I kind of felt like a, it's it's felt a bit like an early sort of micro machines in that respect. There's a bit of micro machines to this. Yeah, I, I can see that. But just having no time to react and having to just learn the courses just it just turned me away from this. It just you know I, I steered away. I just been like nah, I can't do it. It's a shame. Such a simple change could have really made an impact here to the way it played and, and made it a lot more enjoyable. And I think I would have got on with it a lot better. But as it was, I just found it it got just a bit boring i didn't i didn't enjoy the moment to moment because they robbed the moment to moment of any kinetic fun that it could have had and that's a bit of a shame but still you know what did it get 70 percent 78 maybe a bit too high for three quid because of that problem i think what about you what did you think yeah same 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 lots of demo style polish and code wasn't there in this it was yeah. odd it's kind of it felt a bit oddly out of place i mean all those sprites and bouncing about and all the things flying around it was like wow okay you know good Good, good that. Mm. <laughs> okay. And even the title screen and the loading screen, it wasn't bad. In fact, the front end, as much as it was a very OTT for this kind of thing, and really didn't feel like it was a car game as such. But anyway, it just what it, it is what it was. Music was a bit squeaky, but it wasn't terrible. But it's just that view. I mean, for me, it was just, and, and there's a bit of a theme here for this week, uh, by the way. Mm-hmm. It was just a bit too, um, the view was too restricted by yeah. the exact thing you've described. I don't need to go over and describe it all again because you've described it absolutely perfectly. You, get, you don't get enough time to react to anything. I was just driving into lots of things, like driving to a wall, bam. All right, won't do that again. Move over to the right, driving to a pond, bam, bloop. I'm like, oh. And I got, just, it meant you just crash, you zoom, crash, you zoom, crash. 
they just didn't need as much of that with this. Yeah. And what you could have had was like a nice multi-directional spy hunter type idea, couldn't you? It would have been quite nice, something like that. But mm-hmm. and the graphics, like you say, all all quite nice. All of everything is here. It's just ruined by a really oversized UI in a game like this. Not the only one that's got a weird UI in this episode, but a weird no. UI. And that that limited view means you're just dying a lot, which is such a shame because I thought I thought there was something in this. I thought. When I first stopped at the little, sort of the first little building, and you get quite nice, there's lots of little hidden demo effects in here. So you're getting FLD. I think they're in the bottom top borders as well. So they're not utilizing the space they've got. They've confined it to kind of a small window. But yeah, that's the problem with it. It's just a bit too confined. And so either go, you know, further out and make it really small, like those micro, that micro game you saw, it was like racing around in a toe, like a toe with a toenail on it. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or make it the screen, you know, big zoom out and have a bigger screen to play in, but you can't have this view it just does not work shame and 78 percent, a little bit high for something that's got such a fundamental game design flaw um, yeah. but i could sort of see you know i think it would be 78 to 80 percent if it didn't have that problem because the budget price is pretty good but it did have that problem didn't it it did so, you can't get away yeah. from it no it's just there I'm it's sorry. just staring you right in the face as soon as you start barely made it into second gear i think with the probably hit something in that <laughs> so yeah, and when you have to sort of go up that bridge on the right and then down the one in the middle and up the one on the left, it's like <laughs> no. it should feel like I can should be able to do that at full speed, just hanging the back end out and skidding round. And yeah. you know, when I get really good at it, but it just didn't feel like it was, you know, just didn't it wasn't no. quite there, was it? No, like no, that, like we quite. said, that Grand, Grand Prix simulator. This about that Grand Prix simulator, small car twiddling yep. around and swinging around. Yeah, I might have been right. a bit better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but as it is, not quite, not quite right. Which is a shame, but still not terrible. Not great. No. There we go. That's our first one. That's fifth gear. Let's see if things continue in, well, a vaguely okay sense. I'm sure they will. They normally do with our second game. Let's see if Always. this one breaks the mold. And Graham, it's your turn to go on a trip. Take us around the world in 80 days. <laughs> du, 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 fog. <laughs> I'm the one who made the bet. No. And uh, so this is uh, from Rainbow Arts, isn't it? This, I believe so, yes. It's got a lot of credits here. I mean, ultimately, the the, the big credit here is Jules Verne. I mean, he wrote Around the World in 80 Days. He did. Um, or wrote the novel. But this program is by Anne Nolte, Heiko Schroeder, and Armin Gesser. Armin Gesser, again, he's back. He's back in pog form. He's back. Giant <laughs> Sisters. Mr. Janice's, isn't it? Hey. Sound is by George Brand. The concept is by Holger Flotman. Now, he did Jinx on the C64, the concept for Jinx. you remember that? Um, Which one was Jinx? Jinx? I think, I can't remember what it was. We have played it. I'm pretty sure we have. It was one of the early ones by these guys, I think. Anyway, okay. He did Jinx. But he also did a whole ton of stuff on 16-bit. He's perhaps really kind of more famous for the 16-bit. And that's sort of, I think, where this has come from. I think this has come 16-bit to 8-bit because there's a lot. There's a, I think there's a Amiga version that came out in 87, I think. But anyway, so collectively, they're known as Fantastic Software. Not Fantastic Four. No, this is just Fantastic Software. The, the, it, when he shouted flame on, nothing happened. <laughs> He's quite disappointed. Um, so he's ne- one of the guys is called Flopman. So he perhaps he just shouted Flopman on. And everyone was like, eh, it's not, that's, that does not work. Storm up. That's not good. <laughs> the artwork is Holger Flopman here, produced by Mark Alexander Ulrich and Arnie Nolte. And the manual was written by Imke Seedorf and Arnie Nolte. Now, just as if you're wondering, that name keeps cropping up, you think, who is that? That's the guy that uh, wrote Street Gang. In fact, this is some of the team that made Street Gang. And it I, shows. That explains a lot. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, it really Doesn't does. Doesn't it now. just? Actually, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's all coming back to me now. 
Anyway, slow loader, this one, it? Or quite slow. Apparently, Oof. it was painfully slow on the, according to the Zap reviewers, they hated the slowness. In fact, they pretty much threw this in the bin going, you're too slow. Yeah. Um, but it was slow. It was quite a nice, well-drawn loading screen, though, of, uh, of, of you know, Phileas Fogg. Yeah, did you did you like the angry uh, angry mummy in the top left of it, though? Yeah, I mean, it, it was quite a nicely drawn, realised image. It reminded me of a Cinemaware-style image, and there's little hints of... Yeah, borrowing of Cinemaware stuff in here, but that it's a it's quite a nice graphic, but it's borrowed straight from the Amiga, I think, which is basically that. So, the Round the World in Eighty Days. Are you familiar with the story of Round the World in Eighty Days? Do you some need guys me to regale you with the tale of Phileas Fogg? Yeah, well, <laughs> some guy makes a bet and got to go around the world in eighty days. Yeah, that's that's it. Well, yeah, he makes a bet. Phileas Fogg and his sidekick. He makes a bet. He's in the um, he's got to get back the reform some club. club. Or yeah. yeah, the reform club in London. And he makes it. He, he's a big talker, and he makes this bet. Bets all he owns: twenty thousand of of something. Could be gold bars. It could be pence. <laughs> chew it. Could be uh, chew it. Twenty, just twenty thousand. That's everything he owns: twenty thousand. Twenty thousand chew it to the man on the right. <laughs> um, and he says, "I can get around the world in eighty days, and I bet you twenty thousand, whatever I've got, um, that I can." Of course, people in the reform club put down their put out their cigars and their brandies and go, "Ha ha ha!" No, you can't. You liar. Get out. Um, <laughs> And so he says, I can, and he does. He goes on a, on a trip. Um, so on the 2nd of October, Fogg and his butler, Passepartout, I think that's how you say it, or Passepartout, yep. um, start their journey towards Paris. The first stop of this journey is Paris. Now, this isn't a traditional game based around that as, as a concept of going around the world in any way you choose in, in 80 days. That isn't what happens here. Um, it's a little bit weirder than that. <laughs> so I'll say. So... so I'm going to explain how this game works in its own crazy logical way and and how I played it. Now, I played all the way through this as well in a, in a miracle, but I did. Wow. So, well done, you. So, but I'm not, I wouldn't bore you with you know, the full 80 days, but anyway. So, again, you get past the music, the loading screen, which, by the way, according to the Zap team, was an entire load of one side of the tape. So just yeah. the one entire side, just load the intro. And it, all it really does is you get like a title screen and then a news clip in. Most of the news clip in images on this, I find quite hard to read. And they're also in German. Yeah, um, so, but yeah, our bilingual, uh, bilingual newspapers were all the rage back in uh, 1889. Weren't they just? Nine, extra, so, yeah. extra, read all about it. Yeah. And say so that in German, I, I'm not going to even try. Um, extra. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's all the same. Anyway, so the Reform Club bets on. Fog's got to get around the world in eight today, so off, off we goes. You get the intro sequence, bit of storytelling, bit nice, bit of mood setting, which in this instance, it just scrolls over to the right. There's a house in shadow when the lights come on. That's it. That's your intro. <laughs> so I think it's meant to be him leaving the Reform Club. It doesn't come across that way. And I've made me think back to that um, train game that we played, where I had that really nice intro where it was a silhouette and the guy was walking in, into the thing, you know, the, the, um, the train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, what's yeah. it called? The, yeah, the train game, yeah, whatever it's called. The one with the train in it. Yeah. yeah reminded me of that. Uh, by the way, anyway, it's, it's extra, extra, lesson Z a la Daruba. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank <laughs> According you. to Google, that is. If I've got that wrong, then blame Google. <laughs> well, it's not known for its amazing translations, but we'll we'll let it go. Okay, extra, extra, Banston de Google, whatever it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> Schwanstuckers. Um <laughs> So now it's a bit weird where you play out the travel in this game. I'm going to be honest. It's unique. I've never had to play bribe or cards to get across in a boat or a train. It's weird that you fuel your journey by either bribery or gambling. <laughs> Just seems odd. Seems odd. Just pay for a ticket. Just pay for a ticket. 
Anyway, it's just just pay for a ticket. Have you tried um, paying, for, so, paying for a ticket with uh, TransPennine <laughs> Express recently? Well, and of course he's bet all of his money, so he's got no money, has he? So, or is he? He can't afford to lose. I don't know. He shouldn't really bet. And then I don't know. Maybe he's very confident. Anyway, so the idea of this is that you're going to travel through a series of locations and complete a series of mini game challenges, I guess you'd call them. And in order to do that, you've got to navigate across the world. When I say navigate across the world, go to the places that the game takes you to. Really, because you can't <sighs> choose. And that means traveling by sea and by train. So when you're traveling by, you, and you, once you get past all of that back view, you get to the, the travel view is different from the game view and the characters in the game. So I'll quickly go through this. So your main window, when you get to it, there's a giant map of the world on the top left. Top right, you've got your little calendar piece with the like um, your, your date, time, your time. And that's your bag of monies because you've got 20,000 to spend. And then you've, you've got these mysterious four icons. You've got bribe, cards, play, and zzz. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, in order, to, in, in order to get across from one place to the next in this game and get there in the kind of because the idea of the game obviously is you've got to complete this in eighty days and you can't run out of money. That's that's the plan. Mm-hmm. So you actually balance out your journey time in this. Right, just one second. So the idea of this, so you've, you've, got, you've got to get across the map and you've got to do these locations. Now you you start off in a boat because you're sailing from Paris to I think the first stop is India. So. You're already in the boat and it's kind of chugging away, chugga, 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 chugga. And it's going to take time. And obviously the calendar's on, you're on a calendar, you've got 80 days. So in order to speed up your journey, you could bribe the captain of the ship, who has presumably put some more fuel in the ship. <laughs> the, the special fuel, the fa- go faster fuel. <laughs> <laughs> and then the steam comes out the little icon. You've got a little boat icon on the bottom left-hand corner. And then you'll go faster and, you, and then your little white dot that's your mark on the map gets to the other point and you get, get to where you're going faster. But you're spending money. You're spending precious money. You can also gamble um, to win more money. So the idea is that you either, you know, you spend money or you, you know, you accumulate money in order to try and facilitate these journeys. It seems really stupid to do it this way. It adds no excitement or no fun to it. It just means traveling from A to B is a stupid, pointless, boring exercise of waiting for the dot to get to its next place, which by the way, aren't indicated on the map. So, you know, your geography has got to be pretty good. And I, pretty sure i sailed across mainland africa at one point <laughs> so i'm not sure what kind of boats we're in here and it, and it didn't jump to a train icon i was just in a boat so i'm guessing i was on a land boat rivers which are rivers which may be but they're not on the map anyway so the idea is you do in between all of these levels you have to basically do that to get from a to b and it's controlled by these icons at the bottom and the card games are a pretty crap affair as well i won't go into the details you just have to play cards and gamble for money it's not very exciting when you bribe you just got to use the joystick to sort of go bribe more no no bribe less Bribe more, no, no, bribe less. It's really weird. It's just like some kind of control system of speed versus cash. It was really odd. Anyway, that's how you control getting from A to B in the game. Now, once you do that, um, and after a bit more loading and some more newspaper clips, you get the first game, when, which starts off in India. Now, the game parts generally follow a, the same sort of format for all of the various exercises. You will be either Fog or you'll be his sidekick. You won't really know which. <laughs> I couldn't tell. My fog or past the two. Who knows? <laughs> so you, you'll be one of those two. And in the first level, you've just got to run to the right, pit, sort of pitfall style, jumping over pits and not avoiding endless attacks from birds and cavemen that throw spears at you. Now, I'm not sure that I, I like the tonality of where they're heading with this in the terms no. of you know, portraying the, 
that the world nations and the cultures as kind of tribe folk and, and this gets pretty bad for it in this game but so you so you run to the right jump over pits throw spears at the natives dodge the birds and keep doing that until you fight a lion or a tiger or a cat whatever it was when you yeah. do that you do more loading happens and then a second level comes in where you're in this, some kind of tombs now it's a little bit more mazy in this that you've got to jump up and down different areas but the principle is the same deal run mm-hmm. to the right etc you need to get past the various bodies of which there's varying different types and different scriptures. You're still armed with your spear at this point, I think. And if you fall in the pit or anything like that, you go back to the beginning of the level, which is really annoying. Yep. You've got a time limit on this. So you've got to do everything, but in the certain time limit, or you that's it, the end of the game. Um, and you've got a certain amount of health as well. And if you don't, if you don't do it in the certain health, if you lose all your health, it's back to the beginning again, back to the, back to the literally the beginning of the game, or at least the beginning of that bit. Now you can, when you do that, you don't have to go, for all the intro sequence again, you can just go straight to India and start from India again. So you can start from that bit, but you can't progress until you do it. So you've got to keep going and going and going. Eventually you'll fight the lion and get past the end of level boss, such as there is. They get weird in this game, the bosses, and you'll be on to the next bit. Now, the graphics in this are, they're, they're not terrible, terrible. They're not what you call amazing. It's just, you know, there's tree shapes that look tree <laughs> Um, there's kind of mountains in the background. Your sprite is not very well animated, but it kind of looks like a man with blue jeans on. And a, a sort of, it looks a bit like the guy out of Die Hard. Actually. It looks like the guy out of uh, Street Gang, but with a different yeah. coloured bottom sprite. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say that, but yes, he does. Uh, the UI for this, by the way, is a very simple affair. At the bottom, you've got time indication. Then you've got a bag of money with the money indication on it. It's always in a bag, a bag of cash. You've got your bag, bag, of, cash, sport, bag of cash, your sports bag of cash. And then you've got your health on the right, which is starts at 600 and works its way down. Everything that touches you takes health away, everything. And it also accompanied with that little noise as well. Yes, you get yeah, you get an annoying noise. Uh, and the graphics, like I said, are not great. Controls, joystick control, so you can imagine what the joystick controls are. Run and jump, run and jump is what it is. Yeah. It's not very fast. It's not very fun. And it's a bit dull, actually. It's a bit boring anyway. If you get past that, believe it or not, back to the map you go bribe your you know your boat guy can i go over to japan please yeah okay how much you know how much money have you got okay well we'll go the quick way then since you've bribed me to do so all right um the japan mini game is really odd <laughs> there's no way around no way other way to describe it it's really weird so you, it's, you have to catch acrobats and try and form a human pyramid now, i okay. don't know much about phileas fogg <laughs> or the stories of jules verne but i am pretty sure that didn't happen in the book could be wrong. Might don't. Sure. Just doesn't sound like the kind of thing Willy Fogg, Phileas Fogg would have gone into anyway. So in that level, it's similar graphics to the previous one, uh, only that you start off with a, somebody running at you from the right-hand side and you're actually in the middle and they they bounce off like a trampoline and then you've got to catch them on your shoulder and then somebody else runs from the left. Then they run along and they bounce off them and then, they, they, then you've got to catch them on the other shoulder and eventually you form a human pyramid of five people where you're sort of wobbling left and right and they're all like... Whoa, whoa. It's actually, for some reason, I can't explain, quite entertaining with suitably oriental music playing throughout. It's just a really weird premise because the main control for you of this is catching people on your shoulders and then controlling the wobble. Anyway, (laughs) when you've controlled the wobble for long enough, you then go to the next map and bribe the official if you have a bit more cash or go for a gamble, whatever you want to do, and you'll end up in the USA. Now this starts starts to get a bit weird here. So when you get to the USA, it's actually split into some sections. The first section... (laughs) <laughs> you're in the woods again this time just running and jumping over wolves usual rules apply if you get past that you get to the native american section now i've called it the native american section that isn't what the game calls it okay because i find this whole section is troubled to say the least so in this section you the native americans are portrayed as bang drumming natives in front of a teepee with feathers in their hair oh dear and you have to dance 
do the dance of the savages um, and match the dance in order to uh, appease them so you don't get put in a giant pot. Okay. Okay, yeah. None of that stuff ever happened in Phileas Fogg, and I'm pretty sure it doesn't just, you know, anyway. You use the joystick to try and match the dance moves, essentially. So it's one of those, though, like that breakout game we saw, break break dance game we saw years ago, that kind of thing. But you can't really identify what the dance moves are. John Travolta, they ain't, let me tell you. <laughs> and the music's just kind of, as you'd expect it to be, kind of, you know, drums. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, anyway, it's, it's sort of rhythmic dancing. Once you've, and actually, it looks more like you're just making him jerk spasmodically. It's like the, <laughs> it's not a pleasant thing to do. It, it looks like you're making him have some kind of attack. Um, anyway, once you get past that, then suddenly, and it's a really, really rapid change, you're suddenly pilot, piloting a wind sledge oh, wow. um, to escape. A wind sledge. It's a boat on skis. Oh, right. Okay. Through Canada. So how, why? I don't know. You just literally, you finish your native dance. You're like, thanks very much. And then next, within the next breath, you're suddenly flying across to the right on a level, scrolling quite fast in a wind sledge, which is a ski boat. That That is in the book. I'm looking at the plot now. That, <laughs> but, good, yeah. good, good. So anyway, then you've got to um, basically just fly through the level, avoiding the ditches and, tip, and not, don't tip on any of the little hills. So that's it. So it's another scroll to the right type thing. Mm-hmm. Same sort of graphics, same sort of thing, but you're in a, a ski boat or boat ski, ski boat. Anyway, you do that and you finally return to England. And this is where it made me laugh out loud, by the way, only to be confused with a bank robber for some reason when you get back. Yeah, that's in and the then, book. And put, and put in the dungeons of London. Um, but you've got to make good your escape by navigating a dungeon maze. It's like a bit of a sort of a shit Prince of Persia at this point. <laughs> um, it is. It's kind of a disappointing Prince of Persia. Um, so the graphics are slightly better, I have to say, in this bit. It actually suits this kind of dungeon-esque sort of color scheme. You, know, you can imagine the speckling on the grey shading and that. It actually looks okay. And the enemies are here are really difficult as well. It's, they've upped the challenge. So you get skeletons that throw their heads at you. You've got all sorts of weird stuff. You, for some reason, <laughs> I can't explain, and I don't think there's anyone ever going to be able to. In this section, you throw paving slabs. So Why? That's what, I don't know. That's what you do. You throw paving slabs. So uh. you do. So you, you throw paving slabs. I thought they looked like giant baguettes, but paving slabs apparently is what they are. You'll do that until you encounter the giant jackal who stands and tries to wee on you. Um, but you can defeat him by throwing, well, I hope it's wee because he just stands there and white fluid spurts out of his trouser area all over you. And then you have to hit him, you have to hit him with a paving slab. We've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah, true. More than once. Yeah, anyway, and then so you make good your escape and you win the bet. And then for the end piece, you get a crappy newspaper cut out saying you did it. And that's it. End of line. <laughs> did you feel it was worth your time? No, not really. I got... I mean, I get the notion, a series of levels inspired by, inspired by Jill, the Jules Verne story, but there's little in the way of drive for this. It doesn't really feel like you're on this mission, you know, mission to get around the world in 80 days. It's more of a sort of endurance task of popping to Japan to catch some acrobats and then flying down the slopes, some wintry slopes in Canada on a ski boat. I mean, it's, it's, maybe it's all in the book, but it's all a bit odd. Each level feels more or less the same. The graphics aren't terrible, but some of the later backgrounds look slightly better and the sprites get more passable. There's clearly a little, but a little bit more time spent towards the end of the game than at the beginning. The gameplay and design comes into effect, though, and the loading, and it all starts to just be a bit naff. There's loads of similarities drawn between Street Gang and these levels, without a doubt. You know, it's like if they had people running in from left and right, you were throwing, what was he throwing that game? Did he no, you spray did don't you? Punch them or spray them. You would be that. There's so it's kind of a run and jump maze type affair really on the on the main with a couple of really odd things thrown in like the giant weeing jack, jackal person. Um, what's all this got to do with Phileas Fogg and Co? I'm guessing parts of it are from the novel. It's not a book I've read for a very long time. Um, the travel sections and how you retain and acquire money. Well, that's where this game sort of is just too weird to be true. 
I don't know what genius thought of the idea of that because you've got to keep the income coming in to sustain your trip. So I found the gamble and bribe logic doesn't really work because surely the whole notion of Phileas Fogg is that he was this you know, charismatic, heroic character that was going to complete this mission. He didn't lie and cheat and swindle his way around all the way around, did he, in 80 days? I'm, I'm guessing he didn't just bribe his way around. Would have been quicker know. if he did. Probably. Anyway, so it just seems counter to the hero sort of on a journey narrative that this game sort of tries to portray. Mm-hmm. The USA levels have that troubling representation of Native Americans, which may be of its time, but is troubling nonetheless. Um, now, did, the question I have after all of that is, did this game deserve the pummeling that it got from Zappa? It only scored a, a measly 20... Is it 29%, something like that? 29%? It got absolutely pummeled by Zap in their review, saying yeah, it's really slow, like it, rubbish. They? they didn't like it. No. And I don't think it's... And I have to say, now it ain't perfect, and it is a bit weird, and the controls in the game are okay, but that weird sailing bribery thing is a bit odd. But it's not that bad. It was a bit slow, maybe, in some of the sections, but some of them are quite fast. The acrobat thing was quite interesting and different. Um, I don't think they got... I don't think Zap got very far into the game. I think they maybe got to the first bit and just gave up. Um, because after, because if you get sort of a bit more into it, it, it is thematically all over the place and parts of it too hard. But I don't know, maybe I thought it was more of a 50 to 60% type thing. It's not great or anything, but mm. it didn't deserve 30% or 29%. And it, But it didn't have a proper ending either. It was kind of naff that. So it needed a better loader, a lot more thought about how you got from A to B. Um, but I don't know. I just, the catch an acrobat thing for me just kept me entertained for ages for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I just thought it was really, it really struck me as an odd thing to have in a game like this, but there you go. Did you enjoy any of your trip no. in 80 days? No, the only bit I, I really, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, would. I didn't particularly like this. I got, I don't know, I quite like the opening cinematic. It was all right. You know, the scroll along London's thingy yeah, at night yeah. and the thing in the getting the guy walking out the wrong way and then going the other way. It's like, you know, ha ha ha, it's funny, isn't it? Whatever. But then he suddenly, you, you, I'm on a boat and then I'm playing play your cards right, which is kind of weird. Yeah, bit- I was expecting Bruce Forsyth to appear. I was like, this is kind of strange. But you know what? <laughs> you, you know me. And you know what a fan I am of play your cards right. Yes, so whereas I do. you like the catching acrobats, I like to play your cards right section. And I played quite a lot of that because <laughs> I like but play you your cards right. I can imagine right. you did. Because it's play your cards. I was like, all right, it's all right. And then it all went downhill when I got to India and I was running around in some <laughs> stupid thing, lobbing spears at people. I was like, hang on a minute. I don't remember this in the book. I don't remember this. And that was the point. Like you said, I was like, am I lobbing spears at, you know, some representation of the native people of India here because they're running around yeah. the thingy and oh hang on no I don't Lying like this and... I don't like this at all so I got through that first level I thought I, I, I passed through and then I got to that second level and trying to climb ladders and stuff and just getting hit and more things and I was like I don't know I don't like this I don't like what it's doing I think it's didn't like the controls I didn't like lobbing spears it's like it takes it just I didn't get it I just didn't understand it and it may have opened up a bit as you got further on but I think it creates such a a bad first series of impressions once you're into the game itself, I was just like, I'm done. So I, I, maybe I should have carried on. I didn't, though. I was like, nah. Like the painful multi-load, it was just really slow. It was completely out of place. I just didn't like it. I didn't, I, I just didn't, I don't know. It wasn't for me. I can see why you've got some more out of it if you played all the way through and it gets better as it goes along. Um, I don't know that it gets better. I just, I think, I was just thinking, what quirky strangeness this is. Um, but it was, yeah. well, I, I, I don't think it's, it's not good. It's just, I don't think it's as bad as 29%. It's my yeah, I've said it's, it's a weird release. Um, and I can, it is, and it, it is weird, and it does have, like you said, it does have. I think it has pretensions to cinema worth stuff, um, mm, and I think there definitely. is that. And, and to be fair, I think that you know, essentially, you know, it's, that monkey's paw killed up because isn't this kind of what we said we wanted for Sinbad? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, a more linear take on the story that kept going and has a more linear thing. But it's like, well, you want yeah. that, do you? Well, here you go, and you're like, oh, not like that. <laughs> Damn you, monkey! 
catching acrobats in Japan wasn't what I had in mind, but okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, terrible, terrible sort of um, stereotypical, horrible racist, not really, yeah, but racial so stereotype like stuff. and stuff. It's like, okay, and I get it's part of the book, but then you have to, I mean, and I get it's the 80s, I understand, and things are different and stuff like that, but you look at it now and you're like, maybe the game just, you know, is it just one of them, is it, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to say it, it should be alone, good and you, yeah. you can read it, Fine, it was written in the 1800, whenever it was written, it's 19, 1900, whatever. You can read it, but I don't know. I just think the game was a bit bit dubious and a bit No, no I, like I, I agree completely. There you go. But but 29% may be a little harsh. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe because they just, they, you know, we had the uh, luckiness to be able to warp that loader. Yeah, true, because it was, I mean, it was slow even on warp, wasn't it? So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But there you go. There's Around the World in 80 Days. Interesting, interesting, but badly flawed, I think. Mm. Let's move along. We've got one game left this section. Maybe that will pick things up. <laughs> well, it's a sequel. It's a sequel list to a game we thought was okay. We didn't mind the yeah, original. It was yeah. a bit weird and a bit, a bit sort of quirky in its time. This is Joe Blade 2. Ooh. Again, for £2, but unfortunately this only got 38%. So, you know, it's 9% better than around the world, but is it really... It's more budget shenanigans in the sequel to Joe Blade from Players, aptly titled Joe Blade 2. Once more, this is from Kevin Parker. Visuals and title screen by Colin Swinborn and music by Mike Brown. Straight from the manual, the story is as follows. The year is 1995. The setting, London. The streets are crawling with punks, thugs and muggers. Why do I always get these? <laughs> to read this nonsense really, every really bloody do. week. The ordinary <laughs> urbanite urbanite masses remain prisoners in their crumbling homes <laughs> too terrified to venture outside into the crime-ridden inner city horrorscape beyond their front doors only one man can clean up this city that man is joe blade joe blade teenage pin-up and pop idol media celebrity hero of the people defender of the flag helper to those less fortunate than himself mean what? tough and fearless his very name strikes fear into the cold hearts of every punk, thug, and mugger. <laughs> your mission, Joe, using only your skills of hand-to-hand combat, you must clean up the city. The punks wear armour to protect themselves from each other. So in order to kill a punk, you must kick them in the head. This is achieved by jumping over them. Oh, God. You don't have to kill all the punks, though. Once you've killed about 100, about 100, how many? The remaining punks will get the message and repent of their evil deeds and become decent, law-abiding citizens. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just what's in this. I didn't write this. Not only must you kill your daily quota of punks, I love he's got a kill quota. <laughs> he's got a quota yes. to kill every day. Oh, I've got to get out. I've only killed seven by quote. Which means someone's got to check that quota now. They're looking at his <laughs> chat. Now, I see on Thursday you were 5% above quota, which is very good. Very but good, uh, yeah. for the rain of the week, you've you've been well under quota. So overall, you've got a, an averagely under quota sort of period here. What's going on? Anything, anything we can do to help? Yeah, we. You know, you've got to meet your quota, Joe. There's those punks aren't going to kill themselves. They're all armoured up. Who has a kill quota? You must also rescue sixteen citizens who have foolishly ventured onto the streets. To rescue a citizen, you must walk into him, and then solve one of four sub games. It's awful when that happens. Get quick, it's get the in the house. The Only if you can solve my game. Oh, God's sake. Uh, anyway, that's straight out of the manual, all that rubbish. Kill quotas. So, wander about the city, beat up thugs, protect the innocent, uphold the law. After the odd title screen, <laughs> which is all, all <laughs> which looks like he's looks like he's broken out of the uh the uh club from police academy. It does. <laughs> it really does. And he's also 
He's very pink, isn't he? He's like he's been out in the sun a bit too long. That guy. <laughs> he's very pink and very burly. He's obviously been working out on um, what's the beach in Venice Beach. He has. He's, he's been, been in the sun too pumping long. Pumping iron, that one. He and has then been he, pumping iron. And then he's uh, bought everything from uh, WeAreSoviet.com. He has. Well, he's wearing a, he's wearing a chocolate donut on his head, which is odd. <laughs> he's, <laughs> it's just just so burly. You know, it's, it's like he's very burly. It's like he's auditioning for Gears of War. It's the guy who's sat in the window just looking out, going, oh. <laughs> yeah, that guy made me laugh loads. He's giving him proper side eye. He's like, oh, he who's that? Better not go out there. He hasn't met his quota yet. He might just kill me. He's just sat because obviously he's broken out of some kind of jail, I think. But oh, that or it's just that's the guy sat in his front window going, no, why don't you just use the door? <laughs> yeah, that's my house. That's going to cost me loads. I was that's going to cost loads to repair. <laughs> And then there's a picture of just someone called Ward who looks like they've got brown horns. He does. Yeah. Oh, yes, he does. That's, oh, yeah, Joe Blade. And then it's a really small two. They've obviously drawn it first. It's two, you idiot. Uh, they haven't. Uh, I thought that as soon as I saw it's it. Like I was Joe, like, oh, the classic error. <laughs> Joe Blade to the power of two. Uh, anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know why he's punched through a wall. We get a title screen, though, that's reminiscent of the first game. It's got some info, decent tune. It's a nice calling message. And I, 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 to be fair, I did like the tagline for this. More muscle, more action. That made me laugh loads. <laughs> it's not the first time that's been used, but not for this kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. It's muscle deep. <laughs> God. <laughs> nice. Oh, dear. Start with a fire button, seizes into the game. And immediately we're in quite familiar territory as we were in the first game. It's a flick screen game where you wander left and right, sometimes up and down through opening doors or openings below you on the pavement. Instead of you making our way through a military base, as we did in that first game, we were on the mean streets of London with punks, thugs, and muggers, and we are now only armed with our feet, which are lethal at six feet in the air. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe yes. it. They're not lethal at any other point. Six feet no. in the air, though, they become, you know, like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Dangerous. Yeah, it's just heavy nightmare. Fees. Got he- very heavy soles on his shoes. <laughs> yeah. And despite <laughs> the fact that the cover on the title screen has Joe punching people or walls, at no time in this game do we get to use those fists. Just yeah, run don't. around and jump. This is one of the most bizarrest mechanics I've played in a while. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, we wander back and forth, and enemy thugs will wander into the screen as well. In order to kill them, we just jump up and kick them in the face, whereupon they will explode into a cloud of dust. Except I think you're kicking them in the face. I could be wrong. You just jump up, and if your foot hits their face, they die. There's no animation or sound or impact no. or anything. There's nothing. Nope. You're just part of your jump. So who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Smell my feet, in it, the whole thing? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Oh! <laughs> oh, stick, ah, oh. <laughs> anyway, also wondering about our men in oversized blue coats. Um, and these are the people you must rescue within the time limit. So every time you collide with one, you, you must rescue them by doing a strange mini game where you must get the numbers one to four in order by swapping them about until you do it. There are four variants of this. I'm not going to go into them all. It's easy enough to do. You just basically they'll two one and four will be highlighted. If you press it, they'll swap. You know, it's that kind of number. Then two and three might have you press two and four, you swap and repress five. They'll swap in around until you get me to one, two, three, and four. In the one, there's double, there's backs, there's there's kind of different ones, but there's they're not that hard. You'll do them pretty quickly. Um and you got the time limit as a minute as well. So this is one of those games where, you know, it's easy enough to do. So if you manage to find all sixteen of these guys and rescue them, then well done. You've completed the game. But you haven't met your kill quota, so I want to know what's going on there. You know, I've got a kill quota to complete. As Joe <laughs> wanders about, you might find some other items such as keys or dustbins. 
or clocks to lengthen the timer and so on, because you're on a timer to do all this. The game is presented with the top two thirds showing the present screen that you're on, you know, so that's where the game window is. The bottom third has the UI, which shows which mini game is up next. There's like one, two, three, or four, so you, you know which one you're going to get into. It's got your score and how many keys and bins you've collected. Why is it collected? Always bins? useful thing to know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't no understand. Idea. It's bin man. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I thought the graphics are actually pretty decent in this. They're all right. They've got a nice chunky look to everything. It feels like a more well-presented Death Wish 3, I thought. It's slightly more cartoony version of that. It looks a bit like that. Um, so I do like the way it looks. And I thought the music was okay too. The, the issue with this is obviously it's stupid, but they could have got around that stupidity. But it's, you know, it, don't know, it's the difficulty or lack thereof. I just wandered about on my first go for a few minutes and almost completed the game. I oh, I've nearly done it. Like, where's the game here? There's little in the way of challenge here, or variety. And so where the first game offered plenty of that, this feels like they've sacrificed that for some better visuals. The jumping to kill the enemies mechanic is odd, and it doesn't feel satisfying either. So if this had been tightened up, if you'd punched them or you did something, I want a sense of impact. I want to see them flying back. One thing Death Wish 3 did do was its weapons and sense of impact. You know, you shot people who went flying and stuff like that. That's the one thing I did like from that game, what it, what, you know, what it distasteful it was but it was what it was here you just fly up and boot them and they turn into dust ridiculous so they made the enemies a bit more of a menace or something um and they've been you know just make the general interactions in the game more impactful like it's just weird it could have been okay it just feels like it's not finished i thought this didn't feel like it was properly finished i thought it's it all works but it doesn't feel like it's like yeah we've got that mechanic in where you jump in well, yeah, but we can't get the fighting in. Well, just have him kill him if, if his foot touches the face. Like, no, that don't work. <laughs> That's stupid. I don't know. It seems like there was supposed to be more here. It just never got added. It's, it's an odd one, this, because it looks and sounds good. And for a budget game, for two quid, you know, this is all right. But the, but the game part's been omitted. It's like there's just nothing to do. And what there is to do is very poor and very dull. It's not a good thing. It's a shame, once again. I think the coding chops are obviously there. I think, you know, the guy who did this, obviously you can code quite well and the front end's nice and the messages and scrolling stuff and all kinds of stuff going on. It all looks nice and everything fits the part. But there's no challenge. And the, the mechanic, the single mechanic that you have, jump and kick, just, just feels woolly and bad and un, unenjoyable. And that, therefore, if that's all you can do, the puzzles are not really particularly, they're not really invigorating. They don't, they don't make you go, oh, puzzle, figure this out. It's just like, oh, God, another one. Yeah, very dull, very boring. That's what I thought about this. Shame, really. What about you? Yeah, I mean, same story. What happened with this? I thought the graphics were okay on the whole. Quite nice main sprites, nice style. That kind yeah. of high-res, medium-res kind of look. Um, that backgrounds were less inspired, but, you know, they kind of look like what they were, I guess. But it is like a slightly higher resolution Death Wish 3. But the UI was horrible, wasn't it? With icons and tight faces and bloody stuff <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. It's all over the shop. <laughs> The notion of jumping people um, to kill them like this is crap, though. That's not very good, is it? Felt no. really floaty when you jumped, when, if, it, if it even responded in time. Um, and it had no impact whatsoever. So it's not like you landed on them and clomp, you know, clomped on their heads and they like, you know, it was a big clang sound or something. Or, no, no, they just like, float up and tap with the toe. And, <laughs> oh, the smell of that person's toes. <laughs> Horrid. Ew. I thought the music was a dreary stylophone style dirge. Um, that's never good. The mini game was an exercising, annoying diversion. You know, it's just yes. really annoying. Just don't, don't have that in there. No, don't. It's just stupid. Um, the game is plain, dull, and boring, really, with no fun in it. And that seems really sh such a shame because the first one wasn't one like that. Um, just wandering around this sort of maze-like world, jumping slowly on people, over people, or periodically doing a weird, boring numbers game. Nah, not very nah. really good. Nah, Even at two quid. No thanks. No thanks. 
Yeah, 38% is about right, I think. Yeah. You got it bang on for that one. There we go. There we go. That's our first three games and a weird a weird and uh, interesting bunch. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know. Yeah, that's one way of looking at them. <laughs> I'm trying to be I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be nice. Anyway, we've got four more to come. But first of all, before we do that, we're going to go take a break. Uh, we'll be back. We've got some films to look at. Uh, there were plenty of films coming out in December 1988, so we're going to go do them. Um, so please do stick around, and we'll be back in a moment with those. Steinem on course. I'm almost there, ready to deliver David Hearn's books, including Back in Time for a Donut and The Case of the Notorious Roboticist, to a bookstore near you. Let's just bypass Tag and... Oi! Where's that copy of Escape from the Commodore 64 you promised me? Dave's latest book. Ah, oh, not you again. I thought I lost you outside Gamma 5. Hey, did you just fire at my ship? I've got some conflict damage. I'll give you conflict. Looks like your Nova Drive is shot. Literally. Tragic, that. Computer says I'm on a collision course with Targ. Options. You can crash into Targ, and it just so happens I'm also the mayor, so straight to prison for you, or you can give over that last copy of Dave's latest book. Yeah, in exchange for what? Hmm, let me see. Aha! I've got a spare Nova Drive back here. How about that? Oh, okay, I can't do mercenary again. The deal. Dave's latest book, Escape from the Commodore 64, is all yours. There. Oh, I love the cover. There's Paradroid, Impossible Mission, and Law of the West. Get your own copy. You're not having mine at davidhernwriter.com. Can I ask a quick question, though? How would you keep me in a prison that only has lines for walls? And we are back. We are back to look at films um, that were released in December 1988. What could you Mm. have gone and watched at the cinema if you were living in the UK uh, during this cold, wintry month? Well, you could Mm. have laughed yourself silly with the first one, 2nd of December, who framed Roger Rabbit. Indeed, you could have laughed yourself to death, just like the... uh the thingy just squad like, doing there. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the weasels, whatever they are. The, were they yeah. weasels? Are they weasels? Are they weasels? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they are. If you want to try the Yeah, when he's doing the dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a classic. This is very good. I, 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 the 2nd of December, I don't know. I, I always had this down that it came out in the summer. Don't know why. Yeah, but, same. Um, I thought that. Well, for some reason, but yeah. It felt like a summer film that I went to see this. Because yeah, I definitely but, went to see this at the cinema. This was a definite. This was like first yes, week I was absolutely. there. Absolutely. First day. Yeah. First probably, day one. Yeah. I, remember queuing, I remember queuing up for it. Yeah. And and, and yeah. to be fair, I was absolutely, you know, my jaw was on the floor like a cartoon character yes. for and, a lot of this. And so it should be. So yeah. it should be with Roger Rabbit. Um, it might not necessarily now ring the bells in terms of visuals, although I still think it does. Um, but there are some things in that. That film is such a work of incredible technical achievement and talent. It beggars belief. Mm. It absolutely beggars belief. There's things and techniques and, and methodologies used in that which set the benchmark for things. You know, there's things in there that are invented for that. It's an it's an absolute tour de force, that film. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. No, it was the most expensive film ever made at that time. Was it? It was, yeah, yeah. It was uh, $70 wow. million dollars 
It cost. came out higher than I meant it to. Was it? <laughs> was it? Was it? Yeah, it was $70 million. It doesn't seem like a lot. That's about $150 million. Um, it topped the previous record holder at the time, which was Rambo 3. So. Oh, we only just talked about that as well, didn't we? Poor old Stallone. Yeah, yeah so... You know, yes, it, he thought he'd spent the it, most money. You can see it, why, though. I mean, every, every penny is up on the screen. It really is, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and it's it's incredible this film. I still I, I love it to this day. I watch it regularly. There's some there's some amazing thing, little little factoids and things in that film. Um, the fact that Christopher Lloyd's character um, barely blinks. I think he only blinks three times in the whole film. Oh really? Yeah, because um, he he wanted to be more scary. So they they asked him if he would try not to blink. So his character yeah. just stares wildly all the time, which is kind of crazy. He is quite creepy um, in that. I love mad, the, isn't um, that? Uh, the baby the short at the beginning um <laughs> uh, what's it is it herbert no what's the name what's the baby's name oh, oh completely gone out of my head remember. now but the whole sequence yeah. where the, where roger's trying to look after the baby with the knives and yeah it's just so good and i remember watching that at the cinema just was like just never seen any animation quite like what they got what they did with that it was no. just astonishingly good um baby i'm sure baby herman in it baby herman that's it yeah yeah baby herman and i just remember just laughing laughing all the way through it for most of it so much good like like taking the photos and you see the thing of them playing pat a cake and stuff and um all little touches like that and there's just so much good stuff in this and so it's so clever the, the bit where he goes into toon land at the end yeah. um <laughs> it's you know and how else you know <laughs> my, my, my brother was killed by someone dropping a piano on his head or whatever yeah. it was just like or, a tune uh, just like a tune <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I really like the character of Eddie Valiant um, and Bob Hoskins' yeah. portrayal of that. Because uh, Roger Rabbit's an old story, isn't it? That It's, a, it's quite an old story that they re, sort of re, re, re-energised, I guess. Uh, but I really like the character of Eddie Valiant. I liked his sort of sadness as well. I think Christopher yeah. Lloyd's amazing in it. But the guy that played Roger Rabbit permanently wore a rabbit suit throughout the whole of the making of that. And he just used to turn up on the set as Roger Rabbit and talked <laughs> like Roger Rabbit all the time. Just in God. character all the time. I mean, that, that would probably be quite annoying in the end. Yeah, um, I think it would be. <laughs> was it Charles Flacey, wasn't it, his name? Um, and there's an interesting little extra factoid for you. Um, do you know in the, the sequence in the film where um, they... Now, this is a scene that's actually removed from the TV version later, but where they, they drop a shoe into dip. Dip is the stuff that they used to... That can, the only thing that oh, can yeah, kill yeah. a cartoon is dip. Yeah, yeah. And in the film, Judge gets a, puts a glove on and gets the little cute little shoe and sticks it in a vat of, vat of dip and just melts it. It's quite a terrifying scene. And the little it shoe is, screams. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. Nancy, Nancy Cartwright does the voice of that scream. Oh, what, Bart Simpson? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So okay. and that's where she got, that's where Nancy Cartwright got a big break, strangely enough. So if, that was, if it wasn't for her breaking that, she would never have been Bart Simpson. Oh, I did not know that. Interestingly as well, this is the only time that characters from Walt Disney and Warner Brothers cartoons have appeared together on screen. <laughs> yeah, I bet that was a legal nightmare. <laughs> I, I can imagine it was, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it, it, yeah. It's just it's just one of those film sort of thing that just just you, you watched it and you didn't quite understand what you were what you were seeing and like the way it, you know that sort of incorporate because there was loads after this one the loads that kind of did it things yeah. like space jam and things like that that sort of yeah did. it's that shading cell shading technique didn't they and stuff yeah. like that but, but just the, like the, the amount of work the, the little touches like when baby herman walks into that woman's dress and flicks the dress up and you know it flicks up and it's those um incredible it, stuff it's those parts that blow my mind now it's the parts where you have mechanical physical movement of objects where they literally had people holding things up underneath from wires and tricks and moving mm. things around that sequence in the bar where the penguins are walking and holding plates with glasses on the glasses and the and the trays are real the penguins obviously are animated but they're just there's just thin wires underneath like a pole 
where they put the glass on top of it and there's people underneath walking around underneath the giant platform. So they've raised, they made an elevated platform. Yeah. All the puppeteers are underneath. Moving those bloody things around, it's astonishing. It's just the, the level of thought and detail that goes into planning for that. The sequence when he's got Roger in the and his... Um, there's two actually. There's that famous sequence, isn't there, where they, where he um, he's banging his head on the lamp and he's trying to saw the saw the hacksaw through the handcuffs that he's got on Roger Rabbit, and Roger slips out of him and holds the table when he's <laughs> doing it, which is it's a really funny scene. But that that where he keeps hitting his head on the lamp, he keeps swinging the lamp, and they have to animate the light source onto Roger Rabbit. It's famous it's a famous phrase, bumping the lamp. They call it now. It's actually an industry term called bumping the lamp. But that famously is where it came from, and it's just loads of loads of loads of stuff like that in it. Um, it's just such a great, great film, Roger Rabbit, and you know, should, everyone should see Roger Rabbit. And it, it did is. spawn some games, and they're not very good. No, so, but. do you know that Tim Curry auditioned for the role of Judge Doom? Um, <laughs> you know, I can see him being a really good Judge Doom. But Zemeckis, Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Eisner found his performance quite terrifying. <laughs> can you imagine he took be too much? Because he later on does other things, doesn't he? Yeah, he plays baddies. He's um, it, isn't he? He's uh, Pennywise in it. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he is. Yeah, in, in, in the, the original first, one. I mean, the, yeah, in the yeah. first first version of it yeah and yeah. he's also um and he, he and he the legend of the white tape is true yeah that's him yeah <laughs> don't eat my sesame cake uh, yeah yeah that's him good old tim curry <laughs> but yes yeah. roger rabbit classic and of course it's got jessica rabbit in we can't really go mention roger rabbit without mentioning jessica rabbit because no you know, it's just it's jessica rabbit i mean it spawned the 83rd most uh famous line ever or voted the first uh 100 greatest movies line which is the i'm not bad i'm just drawn that way drawn that way classic voted as the classic. 83rd greatest movie line ever uh, still i feel like if i was talking to um, my daughter about roger rabbit only yesterday because i was i do i know i do stupid things i don't know if you do this i don't know if it's a sign of my early onset dementia or something but <laughs> i tend, I was just walking around and i was doing the old shave and a haircut i'm just tapping on things around the kitchen oh, yeah. with a spoon while i was waiting for the kettle to boil so i was like dun 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 and my daughter said, what are you doing? I was like, I'm doing the odd shaving a haircut, just seeing if Roger Rabbit's in, because no no tune can resist it. And that's that's a true fact. And that was only the other day. Goodness. So, there you go. No, that's just you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing something about it. It's a you know, long-term goal. Yeah. <laughs> Second um, December. If you didn't want to go see that, and you really, you know, you you were like you were a fool. You could have gone seeing the bedroom window. Yeah, um, you wouldn't have. No, because uh, this starred Steve Guttenberg. <laughs> Steve Guttenberg, a star. We do. In, we in do. first of two films this month with Steve Guttenberg in. Yeah, you can't escape um, him. It was, but interestingly though, and I might actually give this a view because it is directed by Curtis Hanson. Okay. And I have time for Curtis Hansen because Curtis Hansen did uh, L.A. Confidential, which is okay. one of my favourite films. Pretty good, films. yeah. Yeah, it's a good film. Um, I love L.A. Confidential. It's astonishingly well-directed. So this is Steve Gutenberg, Elizabeth McGovern. Um, a young executive starts an affair with his boss's wife, which then escalates into a nightmare after he lies to the police in order to protect her. So mm, okay. Could be all right. I've never Sounds seen good. it, but I think I'm actually going to give that a viewing at some point. Um, good. You would have been a fool to go see that, though, over, because by this point he hadn't released L.A. Confidential. You've been a fool to go see that over Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes, you would. You a might not fool, have got in. A fool, a fool, a flipping fool. They were those were full cinemas when that was out. It was you know you had to get there real early. Yeah, so good. Uh, a week later, 9th of December, Willow. Mm, Willow of Good. Willow of Good. Uh, interesting film. This obviously this is a uh, George Lucas directed or written. Written. I don't think he directed it. No, it's Ron Howard, isn't it? Directed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a uh, George Lucas written. But uh, directed by Ron Howard. Um, yep. So this is the, a fantasy film. Mm. Uh, you know when fantasy films were a big budget fantasy film at that. Yes, it is. Um, 
out of Hollywood when those sort of things were a bit not being made anymore. We sort of passed the high time of swords and sorcery films back in the early eighties. Mm. So this seemed like a weird thing out of place. Um, I believe this is where Val Kilmer and Joanne Wally met, and it is became That's exactly true. An became item. man and wife. Became John John Wally Kilmer. Yep. Um, this is an it's an odd film. This have you watched it recently? I haven't seen it for quite a while, actually. Um, I remember, I, I do remember it quite fondly, and I, I, ILM doing the effects, didn't it? So with the, at the time, some of the visual effects in it are quite nice as well. Yeah, there's so a it lot had of, that there's going a, for it. There's a lot of clever sort of special effects in this. The big, mm. the big sort of two-headed chicken dragon, and, and yeah, that's and, right. And things like that, and the um, the kind of weird sort of creatures that crawl on the walls. There's the lots of sort of there's more early morphing in this. Um, there is because he's changing the uh, old witch into stuff and changing changing yeah. to a tiger and all stuff like that. I just remember it being a bit tonally challenged, a bit a bit off. I just it's just a, a vague hint of a memory, but I haven't watched it re- recently, so I can't confirm that. You, you, you're not wrong. It is because it, it's got. I mean, Val Kilmer's playing the character of uh, Mad Martigan, um, and John Wally is the daughter of the Queen, I think, or and so she's against him, but then they end up together and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. So, but it's a. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a weird it's, it is a weird film. It feels not. It's like someone doing fantasy that just threw some fantasy tropes together. Mm. In a sort exploitative, of weird maybe. Way. No, I don't know if it's exploitative. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you know. Who? It's two writers. It's um, uh, George Lucas and Bob Dolman who wrote it. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to take things away because it's an interesting film. We mm. weren't getting these sort of films around at that time. So I remember going yeah, to see it and quite story. enjoyed it. But there were bits of it which I didn't like because I liked. I was reading a lot of fantasy and stuff, so mm. I was you know I was suck. I was going to definitely going to go see it. I did, but I just remember coming out going that was okay. But there was mm. it felt like fantasy for beginners. Yeah, it is very, very that soft makes in, sense. isn't it? It's because it's a kids' film, really, isn't it? So yeah, but then again, some parts of it aren't. Some parts of it are quite yeah, like a lot yeah, of, sort of kids' films back then. It sort of wasn't. Yeah, bit, um, bit dark here and there. Yeah, and it has recently been revived, hasn't it, with a TV series? Mm. I've which not watched again, any of those. I've I watched good things and about it's, it. It's totally all over the place, and it's been tweened mm, yeah. massively. Tweened. Say no more. Um, and again, there are some good it. bits in it, and there's some funny moments in it. There's a good episode mm. where Christian Slater turns up and things, yeah. but um, and there's some nice ideas and some really good bits in it. And that's when it sort of stick into its sort of fantasy mm. bits. But when it goes down the tween route, yes, of it, that, that's when it isn't that gets what killed the recent Amazon Lord of the Rings series as well? Is that it went? It was you know visually amazing, but some of the characters was just a little bit you know just pick better people kind of thing. So maybe well we're getting more of that. They've signed up for five series of that. Of course they have, yeah, because it was. I mean, it's amazing, but it is again is a bit tweened and a little you know. bit, a little bit maybe. That's Willow. Um, if yeah. you hadn't had enough of Steve Guttenberg the previous week, then you could have gone seen High Spirits as well on the 9th of December. Um, That's true. You know. Steve Guttenberg month is in full effect. This is the one with uh, Daryl Hannah and Peter O'Toole. It is. Um, yeah. It's the spooky ghost story set in Ireland, I yeah, think, isn't it? it? Yeah, it, I think it's It's all right. It's, you know, just harmless fun. You know, it's yeah. not terrible. But it's got usual Steve Guttenberg appearance in it. So, you know, he, he plays the guy that he plays. Yeah, um, and Peter O'Toole plays Peter O'Toole. Yeah, he's a bit, drib- he's a bit dribbly in that, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I believe he is, yeah. And Daryl Hannah's the one of the ghosts, I think. It's mm. a hotelier who says his hotel is haunted to get mm. guests in, and then two actual ghosts do turn up. Yeah, um, that's right. I remember it again being a bit one of those sort of late eighties sort of weird concept comedies that doesn't really know what to do with itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, Directed and written by Neil Jordan. Aye, so 
Weird. Yeah, I mean, Neil Jordan did things like the crying game, Michael Collins. Weird. It wasn't <laughs> one that was on my high view list, I suppose. No, when, they've got, no. when I've got Roger Rabbit and Willow out, I'm not not really going to get a look in. I mean, the two the two films he did before this were Mona Lisa and The Company of Wolves. No, weird. It sticks out like a sore thumb, this does. <laughs> high Spirits was always in, in the video shop. And there's a strange <laughs> little extra fact about the video shop. One of the uh, more popular customers at the time was uh, Warwick Davis for the blockbuster I worked in. Oh, yeah, he lived in Lillesby, didn't he, for a bit, yeah. But lived, lived in Louth, yeah. Lived in Louth, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he used to come to Blockbuster in Grimsby, and he used to pop in. Um, he was a really, really nice guy, really genuinely nice guy. He was always on time with his... He always brought his films back fully rewound and always on time, and that is the sign of a good you know, renter. <laughs> That's what, so you didn't have Thumbs to rewind up. him. No, we had a rewinding machine as well for the people that, you know, broke that rule. But he was never one of them. Really nice guy. Really nice guy. And he always he always used to stand for a chat. Very humble guy. You could chat to him about all of his Star Wars stuff. None of that. No problem. He had no. It wasn't like he was sick of talking about it. He'd take a, you know a few minutes to chat to you about stuff and have a, and have a laugh, and then you know be like, all right, it's nice to chat to you. Thanks. Bye. You know, it's a cool guy. <laughs> That's cool. It's good yeah, to know. Just to make, he always made your day when you had him in. Oh, it's good to know it didn't go to his head. It's good. Yeah. Um, a week later, sixteenth of December, he could have gone seen like father, like son. Mm, not very good I, that I don't I don't know if I've seen it. it's Dudley Moore body swap one isn't it yeah I like I do I mean Dudley Moore you'd have previously seen him as an elf wouldn't you if you'd have seen the, the Santa uh, Claus Santa movie Claus. Was on, you went, yeah yeah um, and so I don't know you either like Dudley Moore or you don't I do like Dudley Moore when he's in um, you know his early early films the, you know the, those ones he made in the 60s and 70s not yeah. so much these ones you know well I'm this not, is his not, sort of not that good. He's, he's trying to sort of do Hollywood comedies because he did that um Best Defence with Eddie Murphy. Yes, he did, yeah. Um, so this is Dudley Moore's period of trying to sort of be a bit more of a Hollywood leading man. Because obviously, I think everything since sort of, obviously his big one was Arthur. Yeah, that was his, well, that was the one that he became quite famous for in the US, was it? Arthur, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And well, there's Arthur and the, the, before that he did 10, um, yes. the one with Bo Derek. Oh, I like 10. I really like 10. I'm going to, to watch that now. I watch that That's ages. Blake Edwards, isn't it? Yes, um, it is. Yes, yeah. it's got um, famously. I think is it that film that's got? Um, it's got his wife because he was married to. Um, um, what's the the singer out of the Sound of Music? Famous singer, Julie Sound Andrews. He was married to Julie Andrews, Blake Edwards. Yeah, yeah. And I think in she's it, yeah. in. Is she in ten? Yeah, I think she she gets takes a top off in that. I think could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure she does. She Randomly. might do. Oh, he also did Hound of the Basketballs. He did. With, uh, but uh, my favourite. Um, Dudley Moore movie ever is Bedazzled. Bedazzled. Oh, that's really early in his career, isn't it? Yeah, that's so yeah. Bedazzled. Bedazzled is a brilliant, underrated film, and it's hilarious. Yeah, not the uh, remake though. No, 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 no. Never watch the remake. Watch the original Bedazzled because it's got Peter Cook in it. Yeah, Peter Um, Cook. He plays plays the devil in it. It's really funny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you the um, you did the Hound of the Basketballs where Peter Cook was Sherlock Holmes. Yes, really good as well. That was quite down the line though. His late eighties films. Not so much. Yeah, best defense, Mickey Maud, Santa Claus, Ooh. like father, like son, Arthur two on the rocks. Ooh, that was terrible. a mistake. That was terrible. Yeah, and you know he was a special guest on Noel's house party though. <laughs> random, <laughs> just to say, absolutely random. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like father, like son. Now, um, finally, just to round out the month, twenty sixth of December. If you weren't full of uh, Christmas pudding and whatever, you could have gone and seen Moonwalker. Could have. The Michael Jackson it, thing. I remember it being visually amazing. I don't remember. I never saw it at the cinema. I do know that because I wasn't. No, I in, didn't. I wasn't really into it. Um, I don't know what it's about. I mean, it's got some real names in it, hasn't it? So, uh, 
It's, according to IMDb, it combines a new number of music videos from his person with a fantasy tale of Michael's confrontation with a ruthless drug dealer known as Mr. Big. Oh, okay. Played by Joe Pesci, of course. Okay. It's got Sean Lennon in it. Well, because why not? I don't know. It's not something I'm ever going to ever watch, especially not now. No. no written by Michael Jackson. Well, parts of it were. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably the music, isn't it? Yeah. And the, the part where he goes a, and dances. Because it's, it's basically just a big uh, big uh, advert for big, isn't it? It's loads of, and it's kind of a bit weirdy all over the sort of place, but it's a very strange experience. Um, parts of it are visually amazing. The part where he transforms into that robot, really good. Yeah. Um, and the obviously the, some of the sequences, but they're the bits I remember. I don't remember seeing the thing as a whole, and it spawned an arcade game, didn't it? And some C64 demos, I believe. So. Yeah, didn't it, sp- didn't it spawn also um, a ride at one of the big sort of parks in the U- yes. US? rings a bell. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say yes, because it's the sort of thing that must have done. But I, I genuinely, by this point, I was totally tuning out of Michael Jackson and stuff anyway. Yeah, I mean, I... It's had no meaning for me, this one. No, I'd, I'd given up. And I certainly wasn't going to go watch a film at the cinema with him in. Because I've seen... I mean, it's just no. a load of music videos which I'd already seen. And I'm like, nah, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit done with that now. Yes. So there we go. Um, so that's it. That was your uh, films for December 1988. I mean, you've got things like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is Ace. Bedroom Window sounds interesting. Willow is a... It's an interesting film. I'm not sure it stands up today. High Spirits, I don't, again, don't think. Like Father Like Son, probably not. A Moonwalker, weird, just weird. A weird, weird. a weird month of releases, but none of the, you know, that was it. That's what we got. Um, we're going to go take a quick break. We'll be back and we'll have our last four games of the Ooh. year to get through. Wow. So, um, you know, will they be good? Will they be bad? Prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> see you in a bit. Now, if I could just make it out past Dizzo, I don't think the cops will ever discover this contraband I'm carrying. I'm going to be rich! Wait, oh no, it's a police viper! Right, Cobra Mark Three pilot, Lesbian Avenue, what's in the cargo hold then? Ah, uh, nothing, nothing, nothing of interest, sir. Just some textiles and willow pattern plates from Lave. Really? I see some books and audiobooks back there. David Hearn's Case of the Notorious Roboticist, Starfarers and Thanians in Space... And a copy of Back in Time for a Donut. But I was hungry. And you've got them in audiobook format and paperback. You know books are illegal in this system. Mm, no copy of Escape from the Commodore 64, though. Well, well, I could grab it next time and maybe give it to you for your trouble. Mm, on your way, then. Move along and watch out for Dargo Eats. Oh, that was a close one. For more details on cargo just like mine, hyperjump over to davidhernwriter.com. Now, just a dock at that space station without a docking computer. And we are back. We are back with our last four games of 1988. This is it. There's no more after this for this year. We are done. Let's get through them. Let's get into them. Let's get savage. <laughs> no, you mean ravage. 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 Graham, tell us all about ravage. It's the spittiest drum sound, isn't it? Ravage. <laughs> Damage! Oh, ah, it. <laughs> just someone spitting on a microphone. <laughs> Not very nice, that. Um, anyway, another another Amiga ST game turned C64 thing, this, isn't it? 
Um, yeah. Lots of noise. This was published by Firebird, developed by Probe, coded by Grant Harrison, graphics by Steve Crow, title screen Paul Doc Doherty, Mr. Doc, the Doc, the Doc Man, Mr. Doc, Paul Doherty, and the music is by Haroon, Jeroon, Jerome, Jeroon Tell, Mr. Tell, a fancy Mr. Tell. Um, so there's a very fancy sample strewn um, sit tune at the beginning of this, which we've you know, previously mentioned. Spitty drum sounds <laughs> at the start with a bit of oh, ravaging, oh, ravage, ravage. Oh, 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 oh. It doesn't feel thematically linked to the notion of this game at all. This game's about battling through dungeons and all sorts of stuff. Um, this tune felt more at home to me like on a racing game or something like that. Ironically, because the same sort of technique is used for the Outrun Turbo, I think, Turbo Outrun music. Anyway, it's not bad. If, if It is what it is. Just, you know, ravage and spitty drums. Very spitty. So Savage then, um, there's a fairly lengthy tale to this. I'm not going to go through the old lot. Um, it says uh, it's got the classic sort of narrative for a game that doesn't have you doing a great deal of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. They, it says, fired by rage, Savage plunges into an orgy of violence, wielding his trusty battle axe. Hmm. Wielding an axe, are you? All right. That's not kind of what I thought it was, but okay. Um, in a ma- manic fighting frenzy, dispatching all who stand in his way. At he- ahead of him awaits a labyrinth of dank and gloomy dungeons, concealing a myriad of demons and ghouls. I'll try that again. Ahead of him waits a labyrinth of dank and gloomy dungeons, concealing a myriad of demons and ghouls, all ready to put a bloody end to his attempt to escape. The battle mm-hmm. savage will have to use all his skill and experience as a master of hand-to-hand combat, but he's using an axe. Or is it still hand-to-hand, I guess? Uh, yeah, um, to overcome like, yeah. this. Um, the ultimate challenge. So um, from the beginning, Savage will be assailed by a number of deadly mutant monsters. Um, once dispatched, they will each yield a piece of the weaponry that will enable Savage to carry in his fight. The task awaiting him is in the infested labyrinth is to fight the inhabitants of the castle and the deep dungeons. Um, Savage is able to collect items of great wealth and power that will increase his strength as well as the hoard of treasure. But the conflict will sap his strength and strain each muscle of his body to its limit. I won't go. There's, there's all a whole bunch more about he travels through dungeons and the dungeons are dangerous and then he realizes a thing and... There's loads of stuff. I'm not going to go into all that because it's just trying to over-elaborate on something that is very simple. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's no point. And it's a classic example of that. Um, so the game really is run to the right, shoot and jump. <laughs> That's kind of it in this. Yep. Get, and get to the bosses. Beat them and keep going. That's, so all of that fancy, he's the greatest savage warrior with the axe-wielding strength of and all that. It doesn't matter because that's it is what it is. Everything attacks you all the time in this. You have weapons. And you can get better ones. You must keep going at a frantic old pace. The pace uh, and feel of this reminded me a little bit of Hawkeye in many ways. In fact, there's quite a lot of games this kind of reminded me of. But Hawkeye principally, and I'll come to a few others as well. The game window, once you get to the game, because when I started, I don't know if it did it for you, the game just started immediately. It's like, you're at game, go, go. It's like, oh, okay. yeah. But there is a sort of a title screen. I'm not sure if that was just the limitations of the crack we had anyway. The game window is split into two with a weird UI at the top that looked like a weird metallic uterus, which was a bit odd. Um, Under that, our game plays out. I'd say the split was about 50-50, maybe 60-40, maybe. Anyway, your UI uterus thing tells you useful things like how much energy you have, your score, etc., and that kind of thing. The game under that sees you you as a larger-than-average sprite barbarian, pegging it around some well-drawn shaded dungeons and general ghost and goblins-inspired levels. By that, I mean ghosts and goblins in the kind of colour scheme and the way they kind of play out. Um, But they're all super zoomed in. So it all happens really in your face and really zoomed in and fast. Everything's big and zoomed in in this. Zoom, Mm -hmm. way too zoomed. The animation on your player isn't terrible, all percent done. It's quite big. Um, So, And once again, you're a kind of big brown colored barbarian with really white teeth and white flowing hair again it's a bit like that other barbarian game i played really that's <laughs> yeah. a theme here 
All barbarians have really white hair, flowing hair. Um, and you're out with crappy axes at the start, which seemingly don't do anything. They just kind of flop out of you. Like you've got a whole, you know, swing an axe, which is what I would expect to have been doing in this, swinging an axe. Yeah, it would have been fumbling about, sort of, you know, like you're juggling mini axes and you lose control of the juggling. You're like, <laughs> so you're sort of doing that, really. It's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel particularly heroic. Um, so uh, they don't go too far, and there's better weapons that you can collect on route. There's loads of flying enemies in this that's got to dive, dive at you all the time. Um, if you kill them, they'll occasionally drop health or weapons. All the action is here controlled by the joystick. Left and right jump is the directions. Crouch is obviously down in directions, and fire is fire your axe or fumble your juggling. <laughs> um, you can sometimes blend in with the backgrounds a little bit, I thought, when you're running about, which is a bit naff. Um, but they are generally quite nicely shaded. Uh, here, you know, mostly here and there, there's some good, some nice bits. And the mini bosses, when they appear, aren't terrible. Okay, so that's and there's three levels to this principally. So this is level one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's level one. So it's a run, jump, and hack that part in every respect. It's quite kinetic, which I think is quite nice. Um, so when something hits and lands in this, if it bounces, the whole screen sort of has a shake effect. Um, which I thought I thought was quite a nice thing. I quite like that. And you get little mini text messages and encouraging things that sort of float on um, to the screen all the time. And I quite like that as well. Um, so I quite like it. Had a it had a kind of a um, I don't know. It had a kind of a nice arcadey sort of tonality to that. Um, so you get these kind of the sort of um, f- um, floating messages that got egg you on. So you're doing great. Keep going and that kind of thing. Wow, you know. And I quite like that. It's got the pace is there for that. Anyway, when you get past that. Um, you go to a completely different level for lay- for level two. It's like completely different. So yes, you, do. you get past the first one. And by the way, the story attached to this is really stupid, by the way. So you, you're actually going out to rescue somebody at this point in the game. Um, so in complete contrast to level one, you're in a weird hybrid of Space Harrier and other 3D effect Zuma games. The UI changes. So instead of your metallic uterus, you've now got a knurled horn on either side of the play window. Uh, and a display at the bottom showing score and, well, I think that's what it was. It was It's a little bit nondescript at the bottom there. You've got a crosshairs on this, controlled by the joystick, and you must travel across the zoomy, stripy Rastabar world, which is called Death Valley, avoiding pillars and giant skulls and shooting at stuff. Halfway through the eye-straining journey, in the story terms, you realise it was all a trick and you've been tricked into going the wrong direction, so you have to go all the way back to where you were started off with. So you actually, in the sense, you actually turn around and just go back down Stripey Alley um, and do the exact same thing you've just done, but in reverse, which is, for you, it doesn't make a difference because it's just stroboscopic. Um, Oli, you'll do all of this, not before your eyes have been stroboscopically destroyed by this point. So you just be like, you sold on 2001 for me at this point. I was Jupiter beyond the infinite. I was like, you know, big blinks. I woke up in a all white room and I saw a version of myself playing a grand piano but I was like 60 <laughs> years old which isn't that far away really thinking about it yeah a bit depressing true. anyway um, tile music for level 2 now that is a great piece of your own tile music so the music because each level music is it sort of works better the music in game is different to that stupid titles music which is you know it is what it is but the music in game is actually generally a bit better. It still doesn't feel really like it's linked to a running barbarian game, but it's pretty good anyway. Um, but it's better. It sort of suits the 3D zooming thing. Although uh, in this one, of course, you've got in-game sounds. So the music's on the title bit, but you get in-game sounds, which aren't as inspired, shall we say. Um, and as you progress in this, so when you get so far into the Zoomatron, it breaks and it goes, wow, you've got so far, you're doing great. And you think, oh, thank God for that. And you go back, it's back in you go, zoom, stroboscope, stroboscopic <laughs> yellow and green stripes, oh, big blocky thing zooming towards you. Anyway, if you get past all that, you'll get to level three. Um, now, this is where you play the game as a bird. <laughs> yep. Because he realizes that in order to infiltrate and, and get in easier, rather than going in as himself, he goes in as an eagle. Um, all right. I'm not sure that was a great plan, but okay. So it changes the game from sort of what it was in the first part to a kind of weird shoot-up bird maze, which is just not what I expected this game to do at all, but there you go. Hey-ho. 
Uh, you need to navigate your mighty eagle. Why is it always eagles in these fancy games? Why do the eagles always happen to come to the rescue at the end of things? Of course, the eagles are cool. Everyone loves the eagles. Everybody. <laughs> if they only buy steaks, it's enough to pay the ground rent for a month. Anyway, um, <laughs> 10 points for you. You can never name what the, what that's from. Anyway, around a... a, a so in this part of the game, it's a sort of complex series of maze-like tunnels and scrolling maze-like passages where you've got to navigate those to get to the end. You zoomed in again, and it's a more familiar 2D side-scrolling type affair with, with a really nice animated eagle all said and done, and a whole load of weird and out-of-place sprites to challenge or delight you, depends on what you think. The UI has changed again. This time, we've got some kind of claw-strewn dashboard with a health-life indications in it. Um, you fly around with the joystick, shoot is your button. If It's zoomed in a bit too much again, so if it feels like you're really... It's like really claustrophobic. The background graphics are similar to level one. In fact, it's actually probably slightly better. The pace is a little bit faster, but it's it's just everything's so damn close and so zoomed in. You're like, ah, you know, trying to, an eagle is a big bird. So <laughs> navigating yeah. a giant eagle through a series of fairly, fairly thin tunnels is is difficult at best. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if he's transformed into an eagle, transformed into an eagle, manimal style, or he's riding an eagle. I don't know. I don't, I couldn't get my head around how the eagle was really involved. Probably best anyway, not to think about it. I don't. No, I don't think I want to know. Anyway, it's apparently the idea is that you've got to get to the end of this and you know rescue you, rescue the princess or rescue the woman that you're trying to rescue. I think I kind of lost track of what I was doing at this point. I mean, bear in mind, but to get to this point, I've run through a maze, I've flown through a stroboscopic world, and I've turned into a bloody eagle bird. I'm like, right, okay. I'm, I'm guessing some, somebody was smoking the old loco weed during the making of this. I think maybe yes. you should fly in the tunnels as a giant eagle. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the bongs, right? You can use the bubbles sound to all the bongs going off and uh, yeah. Um, so the pace is a little bit faster, like I said. The animation of the eagle good. There ain't a lot of screen real estate to play with, though. It's very tight quarters. You know that eagle's wings are going to get clipped. Now, mm-hmm. for, mercifully, it's not. You don't touch the walls and die, but it's just you know you crammed in and it's not that much fun. And it's quite hard to navigate and negotiate all the stuff. The music is excellent on that particular part as well. One of the better JT tunes for the game. All said and done. So overall, graphically, technically. It's impressive, this. It, it is nice, the way it looks. The characters are good. Backgrounds, general UI, weird or otherwise. You know, I think it's that's nicely realized. It kind of looks the part. And I thought I didn't have it on a CRT, but I imagine on a CRT, it probably looks even nicer. Sort of nice details and some of the shading. Okay, nicely realized. The game design is odd. It reminded me of a weird Flash Gordon variation. Because um, okay. that, that had three games in it, three mini games in it. One of them was a flying sequence. So... Um, the effects and the production push this onwards a little bit, but under the hood, the first level is quite dull and you're constantly being attacked, which is a bit of a drain. We've said that about loads of games. Um, it feels like you run and mash buttons, really, in that. And it's just, so you're just running and mashing. It's less like that in level two, but that's the stroboscopic brain. You know, your eyes are going to be rotating for about six months after you play that, just spinning. You'll feel like that um, the um, the Judge Doom in Roger Rabbit. Your eyes will be like, ah, I feel just like this. You know, it's a bit... So it's a bit heavy on the eye, that. Um, and you, again, you just sort of zoom around and, you know, you'll get there in the end. It's not that difficult to do. Level three, it's just too close to the action and claustrophobic. You, just, now, you know, I want to control the eagle, but I need to be further away from it. It's just like, it's like I felt claustrophobic for that eagle. I was like, ah, oh, poor eagle. Um, it's like, you know, it's trapped in that little tiny little caves and it's not, you know, anyway. So it just needed the arcade sensibilities and that production level. It's all there. It's a bit too punishing, but it's just, everything's too zoomed in and too close in and just, and not it doesn't quite work together it doesn't gel properly the, it feels like three things bolted together in fact it probably was three games that somehow got bolted together with a weird narrative it's not terrible none of it's terrible the code music graphics they're quite of a high standard they reminded me like I said that they've got the graphics sort of dexterity of Hawkeye that kind of shading that kind of look 
The sound is by the same guy that did Hawkeye, so it's got that kind of sound to it. There's a vibe, and there's quite a bit you could like, but that game design, repetitive, dreary, you never feel like you're going to get any better at this. It's, this is not a game where you're developing skills. You just survive longer. That's it. You just mash the buttons and survive a bit longer each time you play it. So it's more luck than judgment. You do get a code for the levels as well. So if you get there, because if you just try and play the levels, I'm guessing you can load them independently. I don't know, but you can just play them and you start with one life if you do that. If you happen to get through the first level, you get a code and that code will then start the next level with the number of lives that you supposedly have. It won't help you, mm-hmm. really. But that's how it starts. So you don't have to sort of, you know, just keep trying to battle through on the one life thing. Nice production, some nice arcade touches, but devoid of any real longevity and too bloody zoomed in again. Stop zooming in so far. Okay? <laughs> be zoomed in. Just bring it back a bit. Scale it back a bit. That eagle part would have been great if it had been further back. What did you think? Well, I thought this reminded me very much of Trantor. Yeah, yes. Sim- I never thought of Trantor, but similar sort of idea, isn't it? Running left and right. I mean, stuff. the same amount of space, the UI, same place, same sort of screen split. Yeah, even the bricks across the top, similar. I mean, that was a Spectrum game turned thingy, wasn't it? So. Yeah, and this is a big, you know, C16. Both bo- probe. C16 bo- both probe software, yeah. And so, you know, yeah. big sprite in the middle running along, very close Yeah, proximity. yeah, totally get it, yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of similarity to the, between those two, I thought, in that first level anyway, obviously. Um, so, if, you know, all oversized sprites, very, but there's just so little in the way of gameplay. There's, there, is mm. no, there is no gameplay to this. It's just run along and spam the fire button and hope you survive. Yeah. You know, sit and, and jump, you know, jump over those things and jump and... Yeah flop around and, and then you'll get to some end of level boss and just run back and forth and maybe pick up a lightning <laughs> bolt and it's yeah. just boring it's just really boring it's designed from about three years ago this isn't sort of design we sort of was looking at endlessly spamming stuff just happening loads of enemies constantly spawning dull yeah it may look and sound pretty good and yeah i did think that i think you know it's impressive technically but it plays awfully even you know the other two sections as well none of them play very well and that's a you know at the core that's what we play games for them you know they can look nice and don't get me wrong this looks okay for like you said apart from the weird shading with the white edges and the white hair and the white teeth and everything but you know we've just seen so many of these and and there's no amount of stuff around the edges can hide the fact it's just dull and vacuous i think so it's too dangerous i mean this was better i mean you're right. It's too it's it's too close, sort of thing. If you're going to do this, I mean, I mean, Green Beret does this, and Green Beret yeah, does yeah. it better. Yes, it does. You know, obviously, yeah. it doesn't have the 3D section and and the, but the main chunk of this, need it. you know, it's scrolling action stakes. I mean, like you said, and Flash Gordon was a good call because obviously Flash Gordon had that 3D section in the middle as well. And but I thought that was more varied, and you know, we didn't particularly some had some problems with Flash Gordon, but I thought that's probably a better game than this, as it at least had a bit of time, and you could, you know, this just felt like. It's it's one it's like those army moves games and things like that. They look good, but they just can't hold. Uh, just hold off on your spawn routine, on your enemy spawn routine. Just yeah, slow yeah, them down yeah. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Let and me explore. There seems to be a bit of a this kind of viewpoint for these kind of games is a very sixteen bit thing at this time. You know, you think think about all the sixteen bit games that start to roll out, like that look a bit like a barbarian running around left and right in a nice like sort of Shadow of the Beast and stuff. Shadow of the Beast, Shadow of the Beast Two. There's, there's Wrath of the Demon. There's loads of them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But yeah, I mean, but like I said, this it reminded me of Trantor in that first section. Yeah, good call. That the second section is is what it you know it's a 3d but we've seen plenty of them as well whether they're no. bad or good um and eagles <laughs> <laughs> eagle eagle fly free eagle. but not in that game yeah no i didn't like savage free. i think it's just a bit of a it's all it's all front end it's smoke, it's, smoke. You know, it's all style of a substance isn't it yeah it is. absolutely it's a smarmy guy in a nightclub um who's got, no, who's got nothing in the fridge at home it's a burly guy who drops drops his pints carrying them across the staircase <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. They're savage. 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 That's what I think of you. 
Harvey. Let's move on. We've got three left. If Savage wants Savage in a few, then we've got Super Dragon Slayer. Sounds like a sounds like a SNES game. They it were sounds all exactly like a SNES game. That's, that's I suspect I was thinking, but obviously the SNES isn't out yet at this point, so it's not. But Super Dragon Slayer. This is Codemasters Plus, Graham. Yes, plus. Oh, plus. Codemasters Plus is where this comes from. None of your normal, boring, ordinary, simulator-heavy Codemasters guff here. No, this is Codemasters Plus. Plus, 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 plus. And for the extra plus, you will pay an extra £3. Somebody three pounds, sir. <laughs> you want Codemasters Plus? You pay five pound. Five pound. You <laughs> so pay what, five pound for this. <laughs> so what do you get for this extra? Well, you get two cassettes and two difficulty modes. Oh, can you feel the Fair plus? <laughs> can you? Can you? Can you feel the plusage? I don't know. Anyway, Super Dragon Slayer is here from John D. Ferrari. That's a cool name. It's a great it's a good name. name. It is a good um, name. Better. But but he also did the Human Race in Hollywood or Bust. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, along with others we've not got to yet. So anyway, it also has music by Barry Leach. Good music. So that's something as well. There's no story inside the case aside from this. It's on the back or in the middle. It's somewhere in the case. There's loads and loads of sides to the case in this. It's really weird. Um, You hesitate as you enter the magical kingdom. You may never come back. All sorts of horrors lurk in the damp darkness of the eerie dungeons. Never in any dungeons in this game. The old town seems strangely deserted. You're not in a town either, <laughs> but not for long. <laughs> you must work hard to conquer the myriad of servants of the evil dragon lord, but it can be done. Okay, right. that's, fair. that's fair, that's fair. Thanks. The game has two modes, standard and expert, both of which are loaded separately. <laughs> Weird. And the levels are multi-load as well. That's why you get two sets, you know. I suppose they need to justify that £5 somehow. Okay. After all this loading and choosing which mode you want, we get our title screen, which has a grey background. Why not black? It does. Didn't look good. Everything would have stood out better because we've got a couple of like animated dragons and some raster effect lettering that just they just look odd against the grey background. <laughs> just looks really weird. I mean, it's okay, I guess, but uh, anyway, no options to go into. So into it, the game. So the instructions on the inlay for this are next to useless because there's no details in the game apart from the basics in three different languages. That's what you get. You get three pages, but it tells you nothing. Indeed, they spend more space on telling you about other games and how great the Darling Brothers are than telling us about the game. That's what that's what this is about. Where's their priorities lie at this point? Uh, not Clearly not here. Anyway, this game has four levels to play through, but only if you play on expert mode. If you play the standard mode, you cannot progress beyond level three. The other <laughs> difference between the two modes is that in expert mode, if you die, you start back at level one, but on standard, you can continue from the level you died on. But what's the point when you can't complete the game in this mode? <laughs> This hasn't been thought through. No, never is. Standard mode should have all the game, just be easier. Yes. Expert mode. You're asking, yeah. You want a lot for your money here. <laughs> I want plus, 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 plus. <laughs> the plus is uh, you get to finish the game. That's the plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that you want to. Each level sees you level up your power and rank of spellcaster as you progress through these. So level one has you start out as a magician. Um, on level two, you're, you are an enchanter. Uh, level three sees you as a sorcerer. And finally, level four if you're playing an expert, obviously, cast you as a necromancer. And I'll come to what that entails shortly. So the game. This is, to all intents and purposes, a side-scrolling shooter. But instead of flying through it, as you normally would in these games, you run and jump, which is an odd combination of genres and not without its issues, um, I found. So it's a push-scroll game. So, you know, like so like Green Beret and things like that. Imagine that. Mm. So you, you're running from left to right. And so it's not an auto-scroller. So you control your magician as you move from left to right. Waves of enemies swoop in, and you must either dodge or shoot them. They don't don't come for you. They just move around. 
though. You can just dodge him. It's like weird. The action takes place in the bottom half of the screen, and the top half has the UI, which has the words score and power in massive letters. But your actual score and power are in a normal size font just underneath them. I want my score in big letters. Very strange. I want my numbers. I want to see big numbers. I don't, I don't care. It's just weird. You've also got a health bar that reduces as you take hits, and there are some boxes. You have three of these in level one, and they go. you get one more every, every level, so you're up to six of them in the fourth level. These are labelled by a number. As you kill certain enemies, they will drop spell books. Collect enough, and you'll be awarded a spell which will be shown in one of the boxes and pressing the corresponding number cast it. So by the end of it, if you've got all six, one, two, three, four, five, or six, we'll cast the spell that everybody's in there. These spells range from smart bomb type things to frogs, which make you jump further, and so on and so on. There's all kinds of different stuff. You can also pick up scrolls, and these will replenish your energy bar. And this is a good thing as you only have one life and lose all your energy and it's bedtime for Bonzo. So, you know, you die. The visuals on this are chunky and a bit ugly, all told. They're a bit ugly. I think, you know, there's, there's not a lot of definition here. The main sprite is kind of okay, I guess. The way you change from level to level as you rank up is a nice touch. Basically, you're a magician, but you just get more armor. I found that a bit weird uh, as you go yep. from level to level. You just end up looking like a massive knight, which is, which is odd by the end of it. Because you're a magician, you're a necromancer. This is odd. Each level is very different, but it's a multi-load, so there's lots of you know that all changes. But none of it looks particularly appealing. It's all a bit of a mess, and it's just all the backgrounds and the foregrounds and everything. They just kind of blend into each other. Sprites and stuff for a random assortment of ducks, potions, and Medusa heads, and many other things. None of it seems thematically consistent. It's just whatever they can think of. So there's no coherency to any of this. It kind of feels like a game from again pre like three years previous. It looks and feels like a game from 1985. There's also a long dragon that appears at times, and contact with this is instant death. So try and avoid that. So all this is kind of bad enough, but then we've got the controls. Yeah, movement is all right. Moving left and right. It takes too long to turn around. This is a pain as you are beset by enemies from both in front and behind you. So you've got kind of like a turning animation rather than just a snap animation, which I would think I would have preferred. Um, So that's annoying. Um, But the biggest bugbear is the jump. You can only jump upwards, not forwards. This is stupid. It's really odd. Utterly stupid. I can I can jump forwards, and I'm no superhero. The long jump event would be really crap if people couldn't jump forwards. Imagine that. He's sprinting towards the board. He's taken off. 0.0 metres. It's a new world record. Yay. It's just stupid. Why can't I? Just ridiculous. This might not be such an issue if the game did not have insta-kill holes in it. <laughs> so there's holes in the floor. <laughs> like, stupid. you can't jump over them. Um, you've got to navigate the conveniently placed platforms and then fall for float fall forwards off these platforms to get kind of a diagonal to get across the holes this is just stupid <laughs> i was first time i did it i was like well, i'm gonna get over here i kept falling I thought, what this you have to go to the top of the bloody first tree and then fall off and then you'll just clear the hole it's like this is ridiculous all this makes for a frustrating and clumsy control and navigation method that only seems to be there to facilitate the frog spell, which does allow you to jump forward and makes navigating the levels more painful than they need to be. You're like, walk forward, whoop, jump, whoop, jump, whoop. It's just stupid. I hated it. Um, but, you know, so it just ruins it. With a better and more responsive control system, I could have overlooked the visuals and bland sound effects because um, the music is, is okay in it, but the sound effects are a bit, uh, But I found I was fighting the controls all the time rather than enjoying the game. And thus, I just did not enjoy my time with Super Dragon Fighter at all. I, there's just problems with this. It's, it's an, it, I don't know. Just make it into, it, you know, something like Cauldron or something, if you think about it. Put me on something flying. Or that one we played the other week where we was on a horse, um, you know, on Pegasus. 
But this walking along, a walking along, scrolling, you know, wave shooter, I don't know if that works. Well, it doesn't, especially when you can't shoot, can't, can't jump forwards. No, this, this was not for me. I found this frustrating after a while and just turned it off. What about you? Really odd, isn't it, this? <laughs> you know, after saying all that, for some reason, I found this quite playable. <laughs> oh, God. I knew you would. I think it's probably because I was just kind of... I've, at this point of the year, after all the games we've played... <laughs> you've, you've had too much nog, haven't you? <laughs> I, just, I was just at this point thinking, do you know what? I'm, I give in. I give up now. <laughs> I give up. It had nice you know, music. The music was good. Playability had me in stitches of walking and jumping. So it was run, 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 walk forward, jump directly upwards, run forward, forward, jump directly upwards. It had me laughing. And those restrictions kind of... And I thought, all right, I'm just going to accept that that's the stupidity of this. Um, but the kind of, it sort of grew on me over time. <sighs> I don't know why, but it did. Um, it is stupid. And it is a NAF side-scrolling game, essentially. It's a side-scrolling shoot, right? exactly as you say, with really terrible graphics. It looked a bit like one of those um, play people, sort of, the way yeah, you rotate yeah. when you yeah, turn, yeah. it made me play- laugh loads. looks like Playmobil. Yeah, but it just, for reasons I can't explain, it just made me laugh. This game actually made me laugh a lot of belly laughs, more than most of the other games we've played in a while. And I think it just wasn't taking itself very seriously in every respect, including how they made it. And uh, it was just, it was shonky and rough around the edges. It wasn't very playable in... in Loads of problems. And I think just, I think that the fact that they called this super anything just, it made me laugh a lot. So I think I was probably laughing for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. So I, I, and I've just given up at this point. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. This is stupid and broken and it doesn't really work. The <laughs> controls are naff and stupid. I'm running, I'm playing with an armor clad uh, play people thing that rotates when he turns and just, it was just stupid. Um, and there's so much going on on the screen and the way you floated. And if you, by the way, if you sort of, you can float and then reappear from the top of the screen and just float around. I was just like, what? at what point did somebody think that an expert version of this was required? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I'll tell you what, make an expert version and put it out as a, I'm like, did nobody stop to look at this at any point and go, no, actually we should really fix all those problems with it before we <laughs> release that. But nobody on did. our plus, yeah. on our plus label. And it came out. And there it is, Super Dragon Slayer, 67%. It's just genuinely so weird and broken and idiotic that it just had me laughing at the stupid faults in it. And and I thought, you know what, I'll go with that. I'm going to go with the faults. And I did. And I, even though I not, wasn't even sure really how far I was even getting to any great degree, I just found it just entertaining enough for a very short space of time. So I didn't hate it, but I certainly wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Fair enough. I can, I can see I, I can see that because it is stupidly stupid it's, it's just, just stupid it's just, yeah I, I accepted its stupidity and it kept me and i laughed it made me laugh a lot i don't laughed at any of these games for a while because they've all been trying to take themselves that serious that you know you feel like you're you know, laughing at them you like in, that it was painful but this one it was just like i, I was like oh whatever whatever yeah all right <laughs> just, fair enough no. fair enough there you go super yeah. dragon slayer <laughs> we can't recommend it but it no it's funny I it's stupid yeah it's stupid there we go let's move on we've got two left Graham, how did you get on on attempting the NATO assault course? Well, it's a good job I was laughing at the previous one. <laughs> That's all I can say. I mean, this is utter, utter, utter crap. I mean, we reviewed um, Combat Skull back in the very first episode of uh, 1988. Yeah, yeah. Back in uh, 
episode 72 it was. So it's ironic that it's almost come full circle, isn't it? We were basically looking at a rip-off of Combat School, such as it is. Yeah. Or 19, maybe. maybe we had 19, 19 in the middle of that as well. So in NATO Assault Course, which is it's one or two players, and you compete in an obstacle course as one of four characters, the Hitman, the Ninja, the Flame, and Tomo. <laughs> Johnny Flame. He's back no, it's in fog Yeah, it could be. It could be. Who calls themselves that? And why is Tomo? Oh, Tomo. <laughs> That's his mate, isn't it? The guy's <laughs> yeah. mate. This guy's mate, you know, he's come along for the ride. To do this, you must accomplish certain tasks, including jumping over brick walls, crawling through pipes. You have to complete an assault course. Um, the winner is the first one over the finish line, as is the usual rules of this. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. It did include a course designer in this, so you can design your own courses if you could actually ever even want to do that, which you won't. So maybe, <laughs> you but you, I didn't think you would. Because this is a dreary, waggling, frightening nightmare of epic proportions. <laughs> The screen is split into player one and player two, top top and bottom, so like Combat School was, and 19. Oh, 19 was just one player. I can't remember if that was two player or not. I don't care uh, at this point. I'll stop who, thinking yeah, about it. I don't it. know. So you've got waggle, move, jump, run across the assault course in the fastest time. I had great difficulty getting my player to move correctly in this. So for <laughs> me, he more, he more fidgeted, shuffled, and jerked across <laughs> with seemingly no easy way to just move and jump. In fact, he did pretty much everything except move and jump. So at one point, I sort of shuffled forward, laid down on the ground, got up, sort of jumped a bit, then twitched a bit, then started firing a gun randomly in all directions. Then I laid down again. Then I was up again. Then he ran, started running a little bit. Then he was like, oh, no, I can't run. Then he jumped. Then he crouched. Then he was like, what the, what the hell? It's like, it was just, it was erratic at best. <laughs> you sound like some kind of super soldier. That's what you sound yeah. like. Whereas the, the guy, you know, the player two, the computer player, just raced across the bottom of the assault course and... I'd, I wasn't really going to ever stand a chance at that. No, you weren't. It's a blatant combat skull rip off. This, in at least you know, at least that part of it, because combat skull had more levels. So it's the rip off of the the first level of combat skull. Yes, um, yeah. and it's a rip off of that nineteen thing that we hated. We hated the nineteen well, game because of its horrible system. assault course. Stupid yeah. control system on an assault course. You'd think you'd learn from that, but no, no, they just yeah. replicated it. Replicated all the pain. Um, so it is that, but it doesn't work. It has. Really annoying squeaky music. I mean, really in that oh. sort of in that pitch that only games of this kind do. Yep. And I was like, and I, oh no, awful. Um, it's the graphics are really bitty, badly realized. You know, just sequences of bricks and stuff, really ish. It resembles something while you play a mini player on the screen, fidgets and shuffles, and you know, just <laughs> does some kind of weird robotic <laughs> dance, I guess, as well. I'm not sure what he was doing across to try and get from A to B. I don't know if my controls were broken. Or the game was broken that I was trying to control, but I could not get him to just run it, no matter how much waggling I did. And it said in the Zap review that they nearly ruptured their bodies trying to yeah. get this guy to do anything. So nothing works of this for me. Nothing. No. Everything here is really naff. And it's been done before a year earlier, and then even in the middle of the year. And, and Combat School was flawed, but better than this. And um, with much better music and 19, well, 19 had that decent 19 bit of music, but the rest of it was pretty crap. I don't get why this exists. I don't get it, but it's CRL, isn't it? So of course I know why it exists now because it's CRL. They went, right, <laughs> see that game there? Yeah, do that. Copy so they it. gave it to some guys like, all right, I'll try my hand at doing that. Can't promise it's going to turn out very well. And so they've obviously given him a copy of Combat School and given him a copy of um, 19. And he's blended the two together into this, which is, you know, six and six and three quarters, whatever you want to call it. It's not very good. No. Combat crap. Crap school. It's not good. Another CRL piece of crap to just about round out the year with is not what I had in mind. 
not after the belly laughs of Super Dragon Slayer. I could see, I, I had a look at the Spectrum version of this because this is, I think, a Spectrum to C64 thing, I think. If you really want to offend your eyes, go and look at that green monstrosity. It'll anger you in ways that I can't explain. It's like looking at a game that's been completely designed and developed with peas. It's not nice. <laughs> um, this game should not have been. That's my final <laughs> statement on it. Um, what did you think? Yeah, awful. Dreadful. What is it with these subpar clones of better games that we keep seeing? First 19, then it's offering crap versions of Combat School. Which, as you rightly said, a game we opened the year with. Why did anyone think this was a good idea? Controls are awful. Painful waggling with boring up and down climbing and jumping, which is annoying, and then painless and pointless shooting bits. It's just weird. You know, just it's really, <laughs> really odd. Weird. It's really finicky as well because you've got to waggle and then you push up to climb stuff or pull down to thingies. But because waggling is, is by nature a bit all over the place, you'll clip down and then he'll stop and just get, just get yeah. on his belly. Hence the fidget and shuffling. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and then actually climbing up anything. It's just a painful awfulness. Falling off stuff, you just, it's all like crap. So yeah, it's demoralizing and the bloody tune grates away in the background. Ugh. It really was a case of any old crap would do at this point. Ten quid. Ten That's quid. It's robbery. It's, it's robbery. It is it's you know, robbery. It's basically someone's walked up to you, done a jittery dance at you, and aimed a gun in all directions and asked for your money. <laughs> That's all that can happen with this game. <laughs> and you've gone giving them ten pounds to go away. It's like a naff version of Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yeah, it's like being bothered on the street sometimes. Here's some money, go away. So one of them angry tramps that's coming towards you. <laughs> no, angry. Yeah, that's what this is. Should be hobo assault course. Uh, <laughs> oh, just dreadful, wasn't it? Just rubbish. Yeah. Oh, Christ on a bike. I was playing it going. <laughs> What's happened? Terrible. Terrible. What's happened? And there we go. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, CRL, for that. Thanks, thanks a lot, mate. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, CRL had didn't they have a decent game last week. Well, yeah, but be careful. For them, did. It was there, there was something that we thought was actually okay. It was, yeah, but what, it is, but what we said was it was good for them. Yeah, it was that. Ba- well, it wasn't great, was it? It was that Battle Island. <laughs> Come to Battle Island. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my niece <laughs> bought this holiday from Shackleton. Yes, NATO assault crap. Not good. Yeah, no, it's not. Let's move on. One game left. Let's do it. Let's get into our last game. That's it. Last one. <laughs> That game is Cheapskate. A pun <laughs> title. Sake. It's a pun title. It is a pun title. I'm not offended by it. It's all right. I'm not bothered. I'll by let it, it go. Let it's it two, go. It's two quid. And this is essentially a skateboarding game that is cheap. Okay. <laughs> Cheapskate. I kind of approve in some odd way. Maybe like you by this point, I was just like, I don't care I anymore. You've, I just you've don't care. Up. I don't care. So this is from Silverbird. Um, it's from Future Designs, who are made up of Daryl Bowers on code, visuals by Pixel Perfect. Imagine being Chris and that. Um, and oh. concept by Andrew Morris, Ian Bastone, and Daryl Bowers. It took three people to concept this. <laughs> three That's, people. One person's thinking the idea, and the other two to, I'm not sure what they were put, doing. Put the light bulb up. <laughs> Put the, put the Commodore 64 in. <laughs> I don't know. How did it take three people to concept on this? Ridiculous. Well, one holds the paper, one holds the it. pen, and the other one holds the wall up. 
Uh, and it's got music by Dave Whitaker, Mr. Thirty Second Loop. He's back, yay! Yeah, with a twenty second loop. In with this a twenty second loop, yeah. Um, I could find no instructions or even shots no. at the back of the cover for this. This is one Same. of those games that is. There's a couple of pictures of the covers, a couple of being sold, but I could find nothing on this anywhere. So you know, I did the best I could here. It, it seems fairly self-explanatory as these things go, apart from one thing which I didn't quite understand. But we'll get to that. The story, as far as I can make out, is that you want to join the Street Hawks who are a skateboarding crew from round your way. I don't know where they are, just round your way somewhere. You want to join them. So in order to do this, you must first prove yourself as a novice by completing five courses, then must complete a further five courses to prove yourself good enough to be a member, and finally another five courses in order to prove yourself good enough to be a leader of the Street Hawks. <laughs> so 15 courses to get through, essentially. There's not much in the way of options on this, but the title screen does have an image of a hawk on a skateboard, which I thought was pretty rad. Very <laughs> as, rad. As they go. <laughs> it's like, as a hawk, well, not an eagle for once, but a, a hawk, you know. Yeah, that's quite cool. Tony and Hawks. It, yeah, and it goes some way to explaining just why you'd want to join that gang. There's hawks on skateboards. Like, wow, okay, that's cool. <laughs> that uh, is cool. So the name is also spelled out in massive letters. <laughs> just says cheap skate <laughs> taken up half the screen. It really does. Um, I can only, it's a budget title about skating. I don't know, whatever, you know. Stabbing the fire button gets into the game. And what we're presented with is an isometric view of a street scrolling from bottom left to top right with our skater trundling along decked out in their bright yellow helmet and best blue and black tracksuit. Um, that top, blue and black, reminded me of Gary's top. Yes, yes. <laughs> it reminded me of that Adidas top he had. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It so is. You know, I, I knew when he I saw had, that he stripy had the black top. bottoms as well, didn't he? He it did. Was like, this, he was did have this, this was a game based on Gary. It reminded me of Gary it on was, a skateboard. He did a skateboard. Yeah, he had those um, some Adidas, didn't he, with the Adidas two stripe. I'm sure where he got them from. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> dismissing. Well, I mean, the although the yellow helmet could have been his afro, so you know. God, never say the words <laughs> Gary and yellow helmet in my presence again. <laughs> oh dear. So we've got this is basically the the adventures of Gary skateboarding. The uh, the street and wall are very grey though, and things are not so that gray. interesting from a visual standpoint. <laughs> so grey. So grey. So grey. Um, the scrolling though, the, I'll give it to you. The scrolling's smooth enough though. The scrolling's quite nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. we, we, we bemoan so many jerky scrolls. At least this moves quite smoothly. Uh, at the bottom of the screen, we've got the UI showing the number of lives left. You've got three to start with. Um, there's a meter. I don't know what it meant. I think it was your energy, but it just kind of went down a little bit every now and again. I yeah. don't know why. I'm not sure what that was. Um, it's got your speed. Which is represented um, by like how there's like a skateboard and how it gets fuller the faster you're going. Basically, it's like that's a right. bar going up in it. That's fine. Um, so that's all right. But also underneath that, there's a there's a there's a number which corresponds to your sort of X position on the pavement. I don't know what that was for. Why was that there? Who cares? No I mean, idea. I, I can only think that might have been left in due to some sort of debug routine. Um, but kind of got overlooked. Could easy be. <laughs> no reason for it to be there. No. Um, there's also the countdown timer for the level. Uh, you get five minutes, but it counts out a bit quicker. But you know, you're never going to run out of time in this game. Never no. ever. <laughs> the levels are too short. It's a good thing, I suppose. You got your score for the level and the total score overall. That's it. Controls are fairly simple: up to speed up, down to slow down, left and right to move across the pavement. Uh, if you hold down fire and pull down, you duck, and if you hold down fire and press up, you jump. That's it. Knock yourself out. 
as you go. As you career along, um, hazards start to appear that must be avoided or else you lose a life. Most things on the pavement need to be steered around. These re uh, range from things like Belisha beacons, cones, trash cans, other stuff and bits and bobs as well. They're all stationary, but they're also things that move at you. So you've got balls rolling, you fireballs. Which are oddly out of place. I don't know who's firing the fireballs at you. Maybe there's some wizard somewhere um, that we can't see. And even later on, we get other skaters uh, skating towards you. This has general sort of street hazards, apart from fireballs, obviously. Uh, there are also lampposts that stretch across right across the top of the street, and you must be dead tall or they're dead small because if you don't duck, you, you crash into them. Um, so you know, so you got to duck under them. And that's it. I, I found the jump a bit pointless. I don't think I ever needed to jump over anything. There's holes, but if you go into the holes, they just disappear. It's a bit weird. So the jump is a completely superfluous move because you yep. jump. You just jump off the skateboard. You're like, hey. Yep. You don't it's probably a of, fancy skateboarding name for that. There, uh, There is. Probably an ollie ollie. It's an ollie or something. I don't know. Um, since you make it to the finish line, then you are told, well done, and it's on to the next one. Uh, same grey street, but this time different, different coloured windows and doorways. Yeah. That's how you know what level you're on. So that's what you got. Um, and if you make it to all 15 levels, you're awarded a nice message to give the developer a ring on their telephone number if you're either in King's Lynn and buy them a pint. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's there. Such innocent times. Imagine putting your telephone number now. <laughs> Just out there. Same. Give us a yeah, ring. don't think that's such a good idea. No. Weird, isn't it? I didn't think this was too bad, really. It's well put together. It's got no bugs that I could find. It's simple premise. It is what it is. The Whitaker music, it's short, but it's decent enough. I didn't get annoyed by it. Keeps things chugging along nicely. The controls are fine, responsive. The game's a bit of fun. It gets a bit same after a while because there's nothing else to this. It's just 15 grey levels. But And I think some visual variety would have been good to see because the pavement's just floating in a black void. It's like some existential yeah. skateboarding nightmare. <laughs> um, doesn't really stir the imagination too much. There could have been some stages no. with different backdrops, parks, gardens, houses, bit of colour, anything, anything. <laughs> to mix things up a bit at times, as it you know, just like, uh, but also as well, it felt sometimes like I was skating along the top of a castle because there's like crenellations yeah. as well. It's all very odd. Anyway, I didn't mind it. It works. It functions as intended. It just likes any kind of real draw to keep you playing at sixty four percent for two quid for something that would be a bit of a laugh for an afternoon. Yeah, I've got no complaints about this. It was fine. It didn't offend in the way some other games have had, and I found this perfectly okay. What about you? It <laughs> it was fast paced, I guess. I mean, it's just, you know, it is just it's like a Super Zaxxon type deal without the Super Zaxxon spaceship in it, really. That's that yeah, corridor yeah, that's bit. A, you know, that's a good call, yeah. But it's just, it's just dull. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing about this game, the biggest pain with it is it's just dull. Yeah. It's, it's not- dull to look at. It's dull to play. It's just dull. Um, but it is only £2. I mean, the scrolling, like you say, good, fast. Production's actually pretty slick. You know, it runs, runs a, a decent old clip. Um, everything works as it should. Um it's pretty challenging, I suppose. The controls, once you get used to it, they're kind of logical. They're where they should be. You know, there's no weird down for up and up for down, all that nonsense with this. It's just, mm-hmm. it is what it is. It's just, you know, like the music is a 20-second loop. So is your attention span on this. <laughs> yeah. and Because the other levels just yeah. look the same. And just as soon as I got to level two, I was like, oh, no. It's just, I'm back in dreary gray skateboard <laughs> land. It just, it just feels like punishment. You're like, oh, no. And then I thought maybe they'll change it because some of these games have got the same levels, but they've done red in colour, they've gone blue, or not this one, no. all grey all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh god, it's so bleak. It's like being stuck <laughs> in some metallic maze, endlessly tough. And the skateboard sprite was okay with his, you know, it was like a mini Gary one, it little, you know, little dude. He was all right. Yeah. Um, it, it was a kind of skateboard, just skate, skating through endless grey corridors and avoiding obstacles. It was 
I don't know if that's a metaphor for modern life. I don't know <laughs> what that is. Um, it was just a bit. It was just a bit boring. But it was. It's two quid's worth of an hour's worth of entertainment. So you'd get your hours worth of entertainment out of it. Sixty-four percent's about right. I didn't find the music in it that good, but it, it stayed with it because I got this knack of making music that is neither memorable. I don't know what, how it does it, but it just erases your memory of it as soon as you've heard it. Yeah. So it's self-erasing music, which is pretty clever, generally which is, speaking. Considering the amount of times you hear that loop as well, you'd think it would drill yeah. in, but you can't, you know, I, I couldn't, I think the only one I could ever hum of is his BMX simulator. I'm hoping he's not putting in um, secret messages in there. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I remember the music for um, Night Games that he did, I mean, pretty good, stuff like that. But this yeah. one, I couldn't, you know, if you said to me, hum cheapskate music, I'd be like, uh... Uh, and I, now, considering I was listening to it for ages on repeat, you'd think I'd remember something of it. <laughs> exactly, that's what I mean. It's quite the talent. But it's, yeah, exactly. It is a talent. Yeah, it's uh, it's memoryless music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can, I've got twenty of his albums here. I've never. I, I remember listening to him or buying them. <laughs> you know, the guy's a multi-millionaire many times over because he just you know that's how he works. That's you how he rolls. Buy, I keep buying the same album because I forgot I had it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to listen to it. I've got 30 <laughs> copies of the same damn thing. I'm like, oh, I bought, bought this. Yes, exactly. And it's, but luckily, the album's only three and a half minutes long, <laughs> 17 tracks. But, but I completely forgot to listen to it. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I went out and bought it again. Yay, 31. Yeah. He's released a 70 album best of, <laughs> um, 70 CD 70 best of. 70 album best of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comes in a massive box set, um, but it just takes that long to listen to. It's, it's, it actually takes. 6.8 minutes to listen to them all. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. anyway all jokes aside, yeah, it is what this is. It's, it is a cheapskate, and that's all it was. Yeah, exactly. I can't complain at it. It's been better than some <laughs> of the stuff we've played, but there you go. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's it. That is it. That is 1988 done. Um, that's December 1988 done. We've done what games did we look at this week? Uh, we looked at Fifth Gear, which could have been could have been good. Could have, you know could have, could have been a contender. The, the ingredients are all there, but the screen position is not all there. <laughs> Wrong place. <laughs> Wrong, Wrong place. place. You would Wrong think. Place, you know. Yeah. You just think you'd look at Spy Hunter, wouldn't you? There's a reason why Spy yeah. Hunter puts you down the towards the bottom, Bot- bottom of the screen, and yeah. scrolls to any any shooter. Doesn't put you on the yeah. right right next to Top. the scroll. Yeah, you know, it just don't do it. You know, there's a reason no. for that. Around the world in eighty days, which is a confusion. Around the world in eighty bribes. Maybe, <laughs> that was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't nice to see that. See it nice? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. Um, Joe Blade two. Yeah, Joe Blade poo. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going for the low. I'm I'm going for the low hanging fruit here today. <laughs> you might as well. Uh, <laughs> Savage. Yeah, a bit of ravage. Ravage Super Dragon right. Slayer, which was weird unusual, and stupid. weird and stupid. NATO Assault Course, which was just crap. Just <laughs> nay, n- no Assault Course. <laughs> yes, that was the uh, that was the bog blocking turd, wasn't it? At the end of the year, that one. That really was, and we flushed it away with a bit of a bit of a cheapskate brush. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which whatever. Say. What a way to end the year. I know with a blocked toilet. Uh, <laughs> there we go. That's it. That's the year done. I've got no crap verts this week, I'm afraid. We've got a chart, though. A final chart for the year. Should we have a final chart for the year? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a countdown from number 10. Uh, this is from Commodore User. In at number 10 uh, is Pro Skateboard Simulator. 
Okay, and at number ten, down to number nine uh, is tracksuit manager. Down to okay. number eight is football manager. Right. Uh, in at number seven is pro ski simulator. Oh dear. Uh, in at number six is something called emo zone. I didn't know emos existed <laughs> back then. This is by alternative. Sure. What the hell's this? I don't know. Is that emo from Sesame Street? Maybe. <laughs> or is that Selmo? Selmo. Oh, emo zone. Oh god, no one understands me. <laughs> That sounds like a very dull game. Very dull, yeah. <laughs> uh, down to number five is Bomb Jack. Down to number four is Daley Thompson's Olympic Challenge. Uh, in at number three is Joe Blade 2. That won't be there for long. Uh, staying at number two is Barbarian. And that's the Palace one. And a new entry at number one for Christmas 1988 is The Last Ninja 2. Vengeance, oh. or it was. Yeah, back vengeance, in time, yeah. back for vengeance, whatever it was. Uh, other entries uh, at number 11 is Gauntlet. Number 12, International Rugby Simulator. Oh, my Lord, no. <laughs> I have a feeling that's Mr. Handley, Carlton Handley, but I can't be sure. I think we're going to get some of his games soon. Okay. APB okay. and things like that. I think he seems to remember he did a rugby game as his first game, and it was awful, he said. Um, okay. 13 is Supreme Challenge. Bo Jolly, okay. that's going to be a compilation in it. Yeah, probably. I thought so. 14, Gold, Silver and Bronze. That's another US Gold simu- uh, compilation. Yeah, that's a sports one, isn't it? Yeah, down to 15 is Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Uh, in at number 16 is Ace of Aces. On, yeah, that's on release. budget on the Kicks label. That's a good budget title to buy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Ace of Aces. Uh, in, at number seven, sorry, in at number 17 is Red Storm Rising. Quite high mm-hmm. for something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in at number 18 is 1943. Ugh. That's even higher for something like that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, down to number 19 is Battleships from Encore. Yeah, and it, down to number 20 is School Days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it. Yeah, I, I think I was going to give a sort of preview of next year, but I'm not going to because, you know, no. we can do that no, next no. time. That's it. We're done. We're done 1988. We have. That was a lot of... year done. How many episodes was that? What were we on? 109. Then we started on 72. We did, yeah. 30, 38. I think it's inclusive. 38 episodes. Yeah. Yep. Bloody hell, 38 episodes to get through a year. Yeah, that's quite a lot. Yeah, because still 38 takes us to, um, yeah, 38, I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Should we save our thoughts on 1988 for next week when we do our Breadbin Awards? Yeah, I think we'll save them. I mean, um, it's just, uh, the only thing I'll note is that I've noticed it comes quite a bit full circle in a weird way because we said that Combat School was out for our first episode of January 88 and weirdly Trantor was in the second episode of January. So it was, yes. Weird? Yeah. Weird. Yeah, and two similar games. Yeah, obviously, you know, yeah. ripped yeah. off. Then as, ripped off. as I was scrolling through our giant list of games, I had to chuckle up because like, Osmium <laughs> stuck out. It made me laugh. Osmium, <laughs> Osmium. Just, Osmium was there. Anyway, and so, that's enough said about that. Second class return to Osmium. <laughs> <laughs> Osmium. Just, just, it jumped out with me and went, Osmium. Was that this, was was that this year, Osmium? <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was in March. March oh, 88, yeah. It seems so long ago. I can't remember half these games. I was looking at them going, yeah. God. Um, I do was actually. It, it have, was the same episode where we did Garfield. If, if that brings um, any horrific memories back, I do have the list of games. Let me just have a quick look. So I can tell you that there was uh, for this year there was a grand total of three hundred and five games. Wow, that is crazy that we played that many games. Yeah, that's how many there was. And there is a total of three hundred good ones. <laughs> good, <laughs> no, three hundred bad ones. Yeah. Um, no, it's just the wishful thinking that there'd be three hundred good ones, but no. Yeah, so we'll we'll put that. Yeah, we'll have that. So we've got, our, like, so said. So we'll have our awards next. Who knows what will what? Will, oh God, right. you know, Lee Enfield wasn't the lowest scorer, but we'll come no. to all that next next oh, no, next week. Next next time, we've got next all that to look forward to. So yes, yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, then I think we've got 
a little bit of a break and a week off. And then, so we've got to start 1989. Well, it'll be later, but we'll talk about that next week. Uh, I feel tired and drained after all these games. Yes, it's been a hell of a long week, and that's been a particularly dreary December. So glad yeah. to see the back of it, quite honestly. Yeah, and take a bit of a step back and look at some of them and hopefully remember some of the decent games we got in 1988. Yes, of which there were some. Mr. Of which there, there were some. some. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've got that next week. I think we'll, we'll call it a day there. I mean, we've done yep. four episodes. We've got the Bread Bin Awards next week. Um, you got anything more you want to add? Or No, I'll save my uh, reminiscing of uh, 1988 for the Bread Bin Awards, which I'm greatly looking forward to and also dreading at the same time. <laughs> yeah, trying to sort out what's going to be good. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what awards we have. Maybe see what the same as last year, but who knows? Um, right, so we're going to leave you. So on that note, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Raddings. And you have been listening to the last part of 1988 uh, covered by us here at Zapped to the Past. And we will see you again for the Breadbin Awards next week. There we go. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zapped to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.